Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here on episode number 108. It is Monday, December the 3rd, 2018, and we're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. <laughs> wow. Very howdy and very doody today, yeah, are well, you? You know, I, I, I just ate my McDonald's. I'm ready to go. Yep, it's I know a new I month. jumped the gun there a little bit. Well, and every now and then it's okay to jump that gun. but The gun was jumped. <laughs> but we will be jumping into some retro wrestling topics very shortly. Before we do that, thank you again for being with us. If you haven't yet... Why don't you follow us on Twitter if you have that? And you can do that over at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place to hang out with me and you and a bunch of other retro wrestling fans is over on the Facebook group, Michael. Yes, it's over on Facebook.group.talkingturkey.gravy. It's a good site. <laughs> gravy, yes. It's a good site. You know, recently there was the um, the Survivor Series talk. Yeah, a couple weeks back. A couple weeks back. But now we're in the holiday season. That's right. And now Brett and Santa are at the top <laughs> and they're they're enjoying their time on the group. Yes, so, they are. if you want to get over to this group, Right, and go over to Facebook.foot, type in the search bar, our vantage point death retro wrestling podcast. You'll see the group show up immediately when you click it. You'll see Brett and Santa, to much to Joe's yes, chagrin. That is the banner. You'll join it, and uh, there you go. We You're you, in. We let you right in. Post your giffies, jiffies, your comments, questions, Santa's, your Brett Hart jokes, concerns. your Shawn Michaels jokes. Yes, just please. to be fair, yeah, he doesn't have any hair anymore, um, and you know, all other jokes about other stupid wrestlers. Yeah, we try to be very welcoming, very jokey, and very fun over there. Uh, we call it the middle school lunch table. Yeah, as far the middle as retro school. middle school, definitely not high school, not elementary school. <laughs> no, we're a little table. more mature than that. Those lunch tables were a little bigger. Yeah, and but they, you had weird people on the corners. You, you know what I'm really talking talk about? It was like a bench. Yeah, like, the smelly kid. Yeah, <laughs> like why is he here? I don't know. He has to eat somewhere. But on our lunch table, we welcome the smelly kid. Oh yeah, if you're smelly, come on in. But if you uh, if you've been a fan of wrestling for a really long time, or maybe you're just getting into retro wrestling, for example, whether you like one promotion or all of them, whether you like the star ratings and the matches or whether you just like big fat guys just come on into the group it's unlike anything you've ever been a part of in terms of a retro wrestling group it's at facebook and you type in like quinn said the our vantage point retro wrestling podcast the discussion group blammo you join it yeah blammo blammo and later on in the show we will have more information we do have a patreon if you want to donate that's patreon.com slash ovp podcast if you like that kind of if thing. you like that kind of thing and uh, we have some friends of the show that we'll talk about later but quinn all season long here on season 11 we've been alternating to start the show with something that's on our minds as it pertains to retro wrestling you know maybe something we've been thinking about something we saw and something that we want to discuss with each other and the fans quinn this is your week so what's on your mind so, as you know from my t- 
talking in our little promo at the beginning. Yeah. And watching the, I watched the Survivor series. You ever hear yeah. of that? Yeah, it was uh, on a few weeks Thanksgiving back. tradition, mm-hmm. as they say, even yeah. though it's not on Thanksgiving. It's time for turkey, though. Yeah, it's time for turkey, whatever, right? Yep. I watched that show. Okay. And not only did I really like the Daniel Bryan stuff, that's great and mm-hmm. all, but I really like the girls. The girls? The girls. The girls. They were good wrestlers. <laughs> and I wanted to talk today about women's wrestling, just kind of a general mishmash of okay. women's wrestling. Women's wrestling. That was on my brain, you know. Through the years, basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I will say the, the match that prompted it, obviously, was uh, Ronda Rosie versus uh, Charlotte. Don't call me Ashley Flair. <laughs> Actually, okay, so women's wrestling, yeah, I mean, it's come a long way in the WE anyway, as Donnie would say. the WE, yes. Uh, It was bad for a while during our fandom. When we became fans, women's wrestling was poopy. Yeah, pretty she is. Not Alundra, I'm talking about Lelani. Lelani? Yeah. I would say the first good women's wrestling match I ever saw, and this is no exaggeration, and you know I've watched since, what, 1995, 94-ish, yes. around yeah. there. Mm-hmm. The best women's wrestling I, I saw was that match with the four girls in, in NXT. In NXT, right. Sa- the four corners, Sasha, Charlotte, Bailey, Bailey and, and Becky Lynch. Yes. Yeah, that was great. That's literally the first time I saw a girls wrestling match that wasn't crap. Well, okay. Let me ask you this what? before we tread back further. Yeah. What about when Trish and Lita main evented right. Raw in like 03 now, or 04 or whatever? I will say. That was good. Up to that point, when did the women's four-way happen? 2014 14, yeah. or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or 15 maybe? Yeah. The best thing I'd seen up to that point was, yeah, again, Lita versus Trish. Right. From that Raw, that one yeah. Raw that they main evented. The following contest is scheduled for one fall, and it is for the WWE championship they were that same archetype i don't know they just didn't feel like all there compared to what we would eventually get right well when stephanie mcmahon invented women's wrestling a couple of years ago things changed right, yeah but before she invented that it was in the wwf anyway it was pretty dark and i guess we'll roll it back now i know yeah. we like to do these little retrospectives here yeah so if we roll back I want to say in the WF or whatever it's called, <laughs> whatever we're calling it yeah, today. WF. WWF, sorry. Yes, we're being um, funny. In the WWF. It's a comedy show. Um, it basically was just like a side show where Moolah owned everything and it was dumb. Yeah, and they'd bring her in. She now, owned the belt. She's been looked back on now as like a detriment to women's wrestling, like overall. <sighs> yeah, I mean, she probably deserves some credit for at least having it be a thing. Well, but at the same time, here's the thing is that if you really want to go back to like, I don't know when like pinups were a thing in the 1940s or yeah. something, wasn't there like Bette Midler or whoever her name was? Yeah, Bette Midler. Well, Betty know, Midler. You know, who well, there was Mildred Burke. Yes. Like all those people were like Joyce Grable. a big deal. Right. And like sure. they were actually draws on the level of like gorgeous George, yes. the wrestler, not the man wrestler, not the girl wrestler, yeah, not Stephanie Bellers. Yeah. And they made a vintage show sometimes. Right. For real. Exactly. And I'm talking 50s, early 50s, now, things like that. Some Somehow through the all the mix of this and you know how history is, it's very complicated. Right. Moolah gained command of everything, right? She was pretty much the czar of women's wrestling in North America anyway. And she, she used every women's wrestler just to put her over for like fifty years or something. For the most but, part. Yeah, like 
or 40 or something like really long right yeah. and now that's not to say there weren't some great talents that she would work with or against or in the midst mm-hmm. of i mean i don't know too much about pre-80s women's wrestling but i do know that in the 80s you had a sherry martell you had a, a laundry blade you know debbie michelli yeah medusa we'll go over them yeah more you had 90s, all those guys yeah they, they had roots in the 80s wendy richter was another one from the yeah. early 80s very talented and i'm not about to lay down on my back and let someone cover me i thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be right back. Velvet McIntyre. I didn't like Velvet McIntyre. Well, I'm sorry, but that's that you also because like Mula her. made her look like shit at WrestleMania Two. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, what the I hell was, like, was that? I, after I saw that, I know, like, obviously it's Mula's fault, but at the same time, I was like, I never want to see Velvet McIntyre <laughs> again in my life, and the, I never really did. So, <laughs> like, the, seriously, the original last kicker. Yeah. But in the '90s, women's wrestling was kind of hit and miss. I mean, WWF barely did it. Yeah, well, they I don't honestly barely did. Okay, it. so I don't really blame them. I don't think this is like sexist thing or anything. I think it just if it's equal to all the other branches, it should be judged on the merit of does it draw money? Because that's what wrestling is overall, right? At the end of the day, right? You yeah. need to bring people to the product. Isn't that like especially in those old days, right? Like that was like their main like. Uh, does it does it draw money? We that's all we give a shit about, basically. And as they should, I mean, it's a business, right? You have to make money. In but a this business. is this is this isn't like now where they're billion dollar business and they can take risks and they can be like, well, let's try putting the women on in the main event right. of WrestleMania if we want to, because and, like people are still going to pay us billions of dollars. Yes, and not only that, the women have been handled so much better in right. terms of you yeah. know, promotion and equality. But in the nineties, here's what I remember getting into wrestling: the first pay per view I ever saw. Right. Had a women's match on it, which was Alundra Blaze versus Bull Meccano, yes. SummerSlam 94. And this leads me to believe sh- this is why she's like your favorite women's wrestler ever. No, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't like it at the time as a oh, nine-year-old. Really? Okay. A- at the time, I didn't. But looking back on that match, which I've seen it obviously a million times now, and if you watch that match, the crowd's into it because it was treated like an important wrestling match. <laughs> And what that shows me is that the potential was always there for people to care about it. Not main event, obviously, yeah. not in the 90s, but at least for people to get drawn into it. Right. Whereas from about 1999 until 2003 years ago, yeah. it was Piss Break City. Now, do you think there's like, here's a weird thing about that old women's wrestling, right? 90s, you mean? Just about the characters in general. I always thought it was odd that they would like always make the heel women's wrestlers look weird, like and ugly, not even just ugly, just weird. Like, why would any person not let alone like male or female? Why would anyone dress like that? Like, like Bull Nakano, for yeah, example? Well, like, I don't know. Like she's, with their hair, like to the ceiling. She's and, like, weird. But like same thing with Sensational Sherry. Like they had to ugly her up. But still, even if you're saying it's uglying them up, yeah. I'm just saying it doesn't make any sense from like a realistic standpoint. Like, why would, I'm not saying they even have to look like really gussied up and pretty. I'm just saying like, don't look like a weirdo. No, maybe like, they, that's just the gimmick. The same thing with Moolah too. Like the same thing. She looked like an idiot. Yeah, exactly. So why was this like a trend? I don't like anytime you were a heel, you just looked weird. Like that was like the big thing. Yeah. I just think that's, like, so shallow for, like, a character, right? Well, I mean, a lot of the women's characters were shy. I mean, what was Alondra Blaze's character? I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) She had firepower or something? I I mean, that's all I could think of. I don't know what it was. raise her finger, like, number one, and then... That's all it was, right? That's literally her character was, like, I'm nice. 
Yeah. I'm nicer than these other women are. She once came on Raw dressed really weird. M- many times. Yeah. I know the one you're talking about, but With I can't like think of the hat or yeah. something. She had a hat. Yeah. Right? She had like a weird hat on. Yeah. She looked like Carmen San but this Diego. Is like, okay, this is what I want to make a point is like, Please this do. is how shallow and dumb like yeah. their thinking was about it. It's like, let's just make them look weird. That yeah. was the best thing. They never had characters. Like no, they, they weren't didn't. anything. It was like, well, if this one dresses like a weird, like her hair is taller than the ceiling, and right? This one has fire pants. Like fire it's pants. like that's like literally like the best. Ca- that was the most character you got out of a women's wrestler. Well, let me ask you this: the much maligned Vince Russo, right, bro? He had women do things that were not even close to wrestling. You right. know, bra and panty matches mainly, right? Puppies, Jr. If nothing else, and I'm not saying, obviously, there was nothing to do with wrestling that really mattered under his tenure in either promotion. Yeah. But do you think that at least he deserves some credit for getting them on TV? Oh, yeah. Listen. If nothing else. I want to say this about China and those kind of characters. Yeah. As much as you may hate China, the wrestler. As uh, a wrestler. Yeah, maybe she as wasn't a very, wrestler. very good. She wasn't. Uh, for a lot of women, especially getting the business, a lot of women cite her as an inspiration. Yeah. She was. Nothing wrong with that. Because she was really the first to show that you don't have to act like a girl that's in wrestling. You can act like as tough as a guy, right? right? Like, and to me, that it was a breakthrough. I think they went in a weird direction with it. Like, it was more like they were like human freaks kind right, of direction. Right. But like, it still was like, okay, here's a, a, a tiny piece of the puzzle that eventually became women's wrestling, right? I agree. I mean, who would you rather look at in the ring, China or Rock and Robin? Right, exactly. Like, who looks more like someone you want to watch on your television? Right, exactly. <laughs> China was just interesting because right. they had just they never featured a woman that was so, like, I mean, she looked like she worked out in the gym all day. Right. Like, it was with crazy. Triple H. Yeah, with Triple H, which she did. And Killer Kowalski or whatever they did. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the problem is, is that they went from this and then all of a sudden they were like, well, we did what we could with this China is a strong woman thing. Let's make her not like a woman, not like a man or whatever. Yeah. And then she, like, was prettier I think, like, doing that and them having, like, some moderate success with that, that turned into, like, the bra and panties well, universe. Like, I mean, that, that was, like, after that, everything was, like, about beauty and stuff. I feel like with a few rare exceptions, like uh, Lisa Marie mm-hmm. and maybe a few others in the mid-2000s and into, you know, the late 2000s, everyone's character was that they're a whore. Right. And I don't mean that that the women themselves are a whore. No, I not mean the, the, the not, character. And none of the people, like, yeah, most no, of no. them were not like that. That's not what life. I mean, but I'm, I'm talking that about they were, the character right, yeah. that they're portrayed. They're just, they're, like, more than willing to dress in skimpy outfits. And again, I'm not saying that's even wrong. I, I'm just stating You're what just I observed. You're saying that that's, like, lit- that was all they had. That's all they had was, like, they had one name, their right. first name, like, Candace, remember when she was, yeah, <laughs> Tori, you yeah. know, all these things. And Terry. They, they were all bad at acting. I just saw Shawn Michaels go in that truck over there, and I was actually wondering if you might know what's in that truck. Who cares? Yeah. They were all treated not very well as on-screen characters, and they were simply there as eye candy. And again, I'm not saying that eye candy is bad, but we're talking women's wrestling. Do you think that was a low point as far as also, like, not only, because I know people cited this. Yeah. As a reason, they've said, you know, Vince wasn't necessarily doing this because he wanted to as much as because he he had no faith that the women could draw money anymore. And, and, and but he couldn't get rid of them. 
because political correctness and stuff. Political so, correctness, and also you can still have eyes on the product because of them, just not in the wrestling ring. Right, doing exactly. wrestling matches. And, like, do you think that was part of it at all? Like, it could have been because they because the China thing. Maybe it just didn't. That well, was he the got last time with China. Yeah. That, yeah, that was the last time because I'd heard that for years. Like Vince is hesitant to push the women because. Sable and China both he, burned. Yeah, them. he he was burned by any woman that he that he really pushed the moon. It didn't really have it didn't work out, right? Right. But the thing is there were still some good talents there during right. that period of time. Like and I'm talking Mickey James. I was just gonna say Mickey James. Yeah. yeah. Victoria herself is very talented. Ivory was very, very good. I think this period's interesting, and I'll tell you why. Yep. Um, because I think a lot of there was some resentment being built up, but at the same time, there were some women who were like, I'm going to fucking do something about this. Yeah, and they let like, their talent shine through. And I think you started to see hints of that in TNA, and I know it's TNA. but That's like, good. Let's talk about the knockouts real so quick. So the knockouts, it was TNA's answer to the WWE because, you know, they're WWF junior, so everything has to literally be like WWE's yeah. version, right? So they get these women. Some of them are just, you know, I would say um, Carrie Von Erich's uh, oh, daughter. Von Eric. Like some of them are just like they're these hot chicks that right. like they couldn't make it to WWE, but like whatever, right? Or they have some kind of connection and they suck, right? Well, yeah, Kim was very good from but, WWE. Yes. Then there was the other, which was the majority of them, which were women that they were great wrestlers, but WWE was looking for Playboy chicks. And TNA tried to combine the two, right? And, and didn't do a bad job. The other thing that TNA did, which I really appreciate, which I still don't think we're there yet, is they gave the women gimmicks that were real you know what i mean yeah. like stuff that you would give a guy yes. except maybe a female version of it like i thought the beautiful people was a great gimmick great gimmick speaking of cellulite which by the way disgusts me to infinity and beyond okay i cannot believe that i am not blind right now by all the cellulite my poor eyeballs had to witness just waddling around in the girls locker room earlier it's real. It's it's not implausible. Right. It's like they took something that was in pop culture, Mean Girls, yeah, the movie, basically. and they made a fucking faction out of it, and it was cool. I like if that was Vince Russo's idea. Yeah, like, it's interesting, Wonder, right? Yeah. They were the Mean Girls of wrestling. Right. I, I thought that worked. It, it worked, and I know it's very gender exclusive, but it, it, it worked. realistic. It was me, to what I was trying to say before about how, like, it's not a woman whose hair goes to the ceiling and is weird looking. Yeah, which is nothing like, wrong with that, but if there's a character to back it up, it actually makes sense. Right. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's they, just weird. They like, gave them characters to back up their appearances and their mannerisms. Right, as, exactly. Right. So all of this develops. This stuff, because it's TNA, right, and it's not as big, <laughs> Yes, it starts to filter into the indies. As it should have. And then all of a sudden, WWE NXT starts up, and they're like, how can we pattern women's wrestling here yeah but different from wwe they look to the indies they yeah. see what's going on over there and then you start getting women like the four horse women as we yeah. said right and they figure we can make money off of these people if we promote them the right way if we treat them the right way and i'll give them this they've done a tremendous job of really building up the women all yeah. stephanie mcmahon jokes aside honestly yeah. because a few years ago quinn these women's matches were pissed literally only a couple of years ago. Right. Naomi looking for the win here. Shoulders down and another kick out from Mendez. And now they're main eventing pay-per-views. Or they're co-main eventing yeah. either way. And they're doing awesome matches that like I actually want to watch. Yeah, and I think the topic of also like should they be the main event or co-main event is, is a whole different can of worms. Yeah, but, it's a different thing. But it's still like it's impressive that you can still like even side by side them 
Like at the end of the night, what was so cool about that Survivor Series, right, is right. that I literally had to say to myself, because I like both the men's main event and the women's main event. Yeah. And I said to myself, like, I don't Self? know which I don't know which one I like better. See, and like, when, that's when, what's yeah. so cool. And what it does overall for the product is there's just more stuff. There's more options there's of things more to options. like. like yeah. You know, like, say I don't like the men's main event that night. Well, maybe I got a great women's main event that night. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's what's so cool about it. It just makes now you have this, like, dual thing. Exactly. And I think that it was always possible to treat them the right way. I'm not saying the crowd would have reacted the way they are right. now. I think, honestly, it's overdue. I think what TNA did was very necessary. Yeah. Because if you look in retrospect, the knockouts were good. They weren't like amazing, but it was much better than what WWE was they, doing. They were missing the one piece that I think the WWE added to them. They gave them like a like an edge, a toughness, a credibility that the, that the men had. Yeah. TNA was like so close. Yeah. They were very close to getting there. And I think and they again, did a great Lucha job. Lucha is another one that was so close to getting there. Oh, Lucha with Taya Valkyrie and all those guys. Yeah, the, the, they did the women sexy fighting star. the men. Sure. And I know Vince would never do that, but again, not it, regularly. They, it's like they had the toughness, but I, I felt always that their women, even though they were cool when they did those backstage segments, they were kind of lame. Yeah, I know. Like, but either way, like Lucha Underground had another piece of the puzzle, and I think all this stuff added together, and now we have this mainstream product that's kind of a balance of it all. So, final thoughts on this: Do you think women's wrestling is going to continue to get better? Honestly, I personally think it's at the level it should be. I mean, what else okay, can we, what else can we complain about? They're main eventing Raws and stuff. They've had their own like, Royal Rumble. I, listen, I know that the big thing that people say, like the one last achievement is a women main event at WrestleMania. I just don't... It could happen. I just... Here's the thing about all of that. First of all, there is no main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, it's, there's that's like a good four point. Of there's them. like four. There's the Undertaker versus somebody. <laughs> there's two world title matches for the men. Triple H versus somebody yeah. now. And then, usually. Oh yeah, Triple H versus somebody. There's like 16 main events. It's like, I feel almost it would be cheap if they just put the women on last and said that. Yeah, right, right. It wasn't. Like, yeah, that's it's a like, good point. Yeah, it's like, it's just stupid. I, I don't know. Like, I think it's a dumb thing that people are complaining complaining about i think we're at a point where they're at parody i agree and we're almost to a point where i feel like the only logical way this can go is that the women just have their own equivalent to raw or smackdown yeah like the way it goes is they separate off and they're like no they're like a whole promotion in themselves it's possible yeah I, I, but i have to say it's a good topic because and folks let us know your thoughts on women's wrestling in general uh, you know, we kind of glossed over some of the 80s and 90s stuff. I know there's good stuff in there. It's just not in the WWF. Yeah. You know, Japan had a lot of good stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Joshi, yeah. I think it's called. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Let us know your thoughts. You can do that by emailing us. You can read us on Twitter or, of course, join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, it is Royal Rankings Week number 8. There's only six guys left in the pool that we're pulling two more out. We're throwing them into the rank. We'll be doing that right after this. Hi, I'm Alunda Blaze. The WWF just finished the Women's World Championship Tournament. It has come down to the last two women, myself and Heidi Lee Morgan. A very good wrestler. I have enough confidence to be the champion to you. Alondra Blaze, I went through the same women you went through. You think you're going to walk out of this tournament being the champion? I think not, Stephen Clay. 
I'm a Linda Blaze. I'm a Linda Blaze. I'm a Linda Blaze. I'm a Linda. I'm a Linda. I'm a Linda Blaze. I'm a Linda Blaze. I'm a Linda Blaze. I'm a Linda. I'm a Linda. I'm a Linda Blaze. Blaze. I'm a Linda. I'm a Linda Blaze. I'm a Linda Blaze. Yeah, vanilla. I'm a Linda Blaze. What the heck was that? And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us here on episode number 108 on Monday, December 3rd, 2018. Quinn, let's take a minute here, just a minute, and talk about our Patreon. We do have a Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's right. And there's three very easy, nice little fun tiers there. Uh, I'll run them down for you here for $1 a month. That's it. Just a buck. Remember uh, Nick Chuck? Yeah, remember 20 nickels? Yeah, 20. Oh, all those nickels. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you get to see the raw video footage every single Monday of our weekly show, meaning right now we are on videotape. Yes, videotape or digital. But yeah, <laughs> videotape. There's no tape here. Sorry. You can see Quinn's beverage of choice, of course. If you Which can't. is always the same yeah. beverage. If you can't guess what it is, it's, of course, Pepsi. No, what? <laughs> no, Coke. That's not what it is. And uh, you get to see, you know, some behind-the-scenes action there, some in-between, some stuff that might hit the cutting room floor. It's, oh, it's a video. Us trying to fix the video. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just try to fix things for $1 a month every single Monday. Now, if you up that, you double down, it's $2 a month. Every Monday, you get the raw video. And then every other Friday, you get that old favorite segment, Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, where Quinn and I on a separate audio podcast. It's like an hour every other Friday, separate feed. What we do is we take the four best and four worst of something, and it could be anything. The suggestions are out the ass yep. on the list, and we're trying to get to them. On the three dollar tier now. So now we've you've got your raw video on Mondays. You've got your bi-weekly rushmores on Fridays. Now on the other Fridays, for three dollars a month, you get video content of Quinn and I going through WWF Championship Wrestling from 1982. We're in August of 82 right now. The most recent one is also available to the $2 tier. Right. Because we've had some issues with some technical difficulties with the studio move here to the loft. Yep. So we decided to give you that on the $2 tier. But anyway, the $3 tier is great because you get to see us watch a lot of uh, Chief J Strongbow and Mr. Fuji. Yep. It's great. It's a fantastic uh, journey through the world of 1982 and beyond, hopefully. We're going to keep going we're going to keep pushing we can't wait to hit 1983 and see the uh, sports entertainment this aspect. is going to take a while because we're still in july or something <laughs> we but still, we're in august we've been doing it for like what almost two, two years, years. Yes. we've only made it halfway through the year but we're uh, we're pushing along there so if you want to join us on patreon we would appreciate that but even if you don't we're thankful that you're listening to this monday show and this show will always be free we're never going to downscale the quality of this show in, no. in an effort to get you to pay for something but we do give back to you if you want to give back to us so that's our patreon patreon.com slash ovp podcast but quinn it is time for the royal rankings now to catch you up folks in case maybe you uh, are listening to the show for the first time today it's possible it's possible what we've been doing all season is taking two wwf champions that were voted in by you, the fans. So back, way back, we asked for a list of everyone's top 20 champions. We tallied all those up using mathematics. Yes, mathematics. <laughs> Very complicated mathematics. And out of the 50 or so names that made it, only 20 you know, made the cut. Right. The top 20 made the cut. What we're doing is every single week, we're pulling two random entrants. And you can see the drawing on our Patreon Raw video. And we are ranking them. We're putting them into an ultimate top 10 list. Now, right now, we have 14 guys in there. 
Let's just run down the bottom four real quick. These are the guys that are not. In, yeah, they're not in the top ten, so and they, they're cut off. But they cannot they, return. This is where they are, at least below. Yeah. So we have at number eleven, Edge, Mankind, Randy Orton. And at number 14, Eddie Guerrero. Now, remember, these are the world champ- WWE champions, not yeah, world not big heavyweight or right. not universal right. or, yeah, or NWA title or whatever. The lineal Buddy Rogers until now. 1963 to yes. whatever. Yes. Let's run down the top 10 and then we will hit the Royal Rankings. At number one, still, I can see him. It's John Cena. I can always see him because he's number one, baby. At number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, the, the Austin one. Yep. At number three, Brett Hitman Fart. Yes, uh, Brett Hart Fart. You put an S in front of his name and that's what I think of him. Number four, The Rock. Yes, The Rock, which I, I disagree with this ranking. But, I know you want um, him to be above I, Brett. But I think he should be above Brett, but you he know. He never will be. That, that he never will be now. <laughs> number five, CM Pump. Yep, CM Pump, who I still say, you know what? Respectable ranking he at is. five. That's really good. Yep. Number six, Triple H. Yeah. It's I know. Tri- it's Triple H. He has to be there he somewhere. He has to fucking be there, yeah. A new entrant, someone from last week. He made it to number seven in the superstar, Billy Graham. Pretty respectable considering one title run, but it was very influential. Very influential. Number eight, Brock Lesnar made a very respectable uh, the Brock mark man. on this. I, I really think the, the 2014 run has helped him a lot. It has. Number nine, Ric Flair still holding on. Ricky Flair. Um, I don't know if he'll hold on into the I top ten. I don't know. And clinging clinging to the number 10 spot just like he clung to the world title before losing a smile uh, and losing his hair is Shawn Michaels so that's our again that makes sense based off like he's more about being Shawn Michaels than he is about being the world champion as you like to say Quinn so let's go to the Royal Rankings ladies and gentlemen it is I've never been pinned for a three-count, man. I'm better than you are, yeah. Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. I have Prince on God's green earth. You know, I can't tell you how proud I am to be once again World Wrestling Federation champion. And I'm the best wrestler in the world, and can't nobody tell me different. I'll win the championship match again. I think Axe is going to win because I think he's the only one that beat Andre the Giant. It's the Royal Rankings, week number eight. We have run them down. Two more are joining the mix today. Michael, we are getting down to the knit and the grit, my friend. A lot of knit, a lot of grit. This is going to be an exciting one because... I mean, we don't even know. Like The the next people might not even make it into the top ten, or they might only make it into the top ten, or they might split both. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? We don't know. We've only got six names left, so the... The 14 that we've mentioned, they are where they are right now, but right. we're going to get two more. So th- these two people could either mix up this whole thing, you know, and push people out of the top 10, or they might just go straight to the bottom. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But Quinn, I think it is time we finally find out now. The anticipation is over. Let's find out who drew number 15. Finally, when <laughs> Joe's been waiting, the Macho Man Randy Savage. And you know what I always say: When's the Macho Man? Well, here, here he is, here number he is. fifteen. I've been waiting for this one. Now, Savage got a lot of votes. Now, let's hope his royal 
ranking participation doesn't go the same way as Royal Rumble participation <laughs> usually goes. Where he just eliminates himself eliminates or himself, doesn't find the arena. Yeah, gets lost or something or doesn't understand the rules. And yeah, tries, tries to, to pin speed. someone in this. Why is that like... like he is like known as like the, one of the greatest wrestlers ever, That's but he's also one of the wrestlers who just never understood the rules of the Royal Rumble ever. That's his Achilles heel. Yeah. That's his Achilles. Mythological hero Achilles. I can't accept that. Okay. Let's talk about the Macho Man. He had two reigns, and that's all he needed, yeah, I think. I, well, think about it. I mean, he was so great. He's like how Sean is in that case, right? I mean, like, yeah. he's just so great. It's like, you don't need to put the title on him to say he's good. That's true. You didn't. I mean, yeah. let's just roll it back to 1985 when he came in real quick. So he comes in in the summer of 85, a hot commodity. He had been down in Memphis and hit the outlaw promotion, as they called it, that his yeah. dad ran. Right. And he was already really making waves in wrestling in general. He yeah. had been doing the Macho Man character for a while. It right. wasn't new. The Macho Man is getting a world championship shot against Harley Race. Before that, what was he pitching in softball or something? I think he was a catcher, wasn't catcher, he? Catcher in I don't... the St. Louis organization. But <laughs> I always think that's weird that he went from baseball to wrestling. Yeah, I know. Like, what? What, what is I he seeing? Wanted to. So he comes in the WWF. Then he soon after he gets Elizabeth, right? Yeah, Elizabeth, and which like, is his wife in real life. Yeah. If you didn't know that, Bruno's like, "What is she a movie star? Is this a movie star? Who is this?" He becomes the Intercontinental Champion because Danny Davis wore khakis right. in the Boston so Garden. We're getting away from you know more his WWE title stuff because I think what's important to note is from the very beginning, yeah. he wasn't after like the Intercontinental. That just like in consequence to get, get in his way. <laughs> yeah. Like he was more, he was always after Hulk Hogan and the WWE Championship from, from day one. Day one, his whole mo was. I'm better than Hulk Hogan. That's in the intro of the Royal right. Rankings. That's who he's talking about. Yeah. When I he mean, says, it, I'm better than you are. Right. But he was saying that from the moment he entered yes. the ring. Now, I said something really heavy right there, but I'm going to repeat it again. Hulkamania is dead. Hulk Hogan, I want you to watch me and Sweet Hansen in the ring. Before he even had Elizabeth. <laughs> before he had Elizabeth. Before he was the Intercontinental Champion. While he was a heel. Now, the thing about Savage in 85, 86 is if you, if you go back, and Quinn and I have talked about the MSG house shows, right? Right. He was such a jolt to the product. Now, the product was good. Right, but I mean, you had a lot of Nikolai Volkovs and <laughs> right, Iron yeah, Sheiks yeah. who could barely walk. Bob Orton. Bob Orton. Stuff like that. You know, things like that, which They're they, good. they had their time. Yeah. But like the Macho Man was a force of newness he or something. Was just like so it, different. Uniqueness. Very unique. Yeah, like, one of the just, most unique individuals. Just, he was jumping off the top rope. And, and he had like really extravagant robes and yep. stuff and he had a woman with him as a manager which everyone had this an old man with them basically <laughs> yeah they did I mean, you're like, right he had a beautiful lady with him and he had a unique way of uh, you know walking around right. and the way he carried himself and his promos were just so weird but good cause comparatively speaking to the macho man Randy Savage you are nothing but garbage yeah nothing but garbage Gaina. and I'm talking inevitable and I'm talking you can't hold that belt with me climbing through the ropes so intercontinental champion from february of 86 until obviously wrestlemania 3 now by this point even at wrestlemania 3 the fans are starting to take to him right even at wrestlemania 3 well, Je jesse mentions it well, remember i like him here in detroit <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever he says yeah and then he gets embroiled in a feud with hunky tonk man yeah because hunky 
who's a big asshole, right? The character right. starts calling himself the greatest intercontinental champion. Which, and Savage is like, what the fuck? Yeah, well, first of all, the Macho Man literally would always say he was the best ever at anything he did. There was no way he wouldn't take umbrage. Yeah, oh, he took umbrage. With that. And that's what kind of turned him face. And then finally, he and Hulk Hogan align. Right, which was weird because of, like we said, for like two Two years, two or three years now, the macho has been saying, you know, this guy sucks. Yeah, I'm I'm better better than than him. him. Like, even when he was like a face for the, when he first (laughs) turned face, he was still like, well, I'm still after Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Let me get rid of this stupid guitar playing idiot first. (laughs) But you know what? Hulk Hogan, I'm coming for you, right? Like, but uh, I'll tell you who came for Hulk Hogan was Andre the Giant, Ted DiBiase, and those $100 bills were falling out of Earl Hebner's pockets. Plastic surgery. How much for it? How much? They were identical. Identical! (laughs) (laughs) So Savage now enters the WrestleMania 4 tournament. Right. Beautiful Atlantic City Convention Center. Beautiful, right. (laughs) Now, I always have a question about this event because I wasn't, you know, know, I was alive, but I wasn't really... You were like two. I was like two or something. Were people, like, expecting the Macho Man to win this thing? I don't know. Like, was it... Was it? Let us know, folks. Yeah, was it really, like... Or were people just like, nah, well, Hulk Hogan always wins. Maybe so a lot would, of people, yeah. Why wouldn't he win, right? Or DiBiase, like, I don't know. I don't know who people expected. I don't think people expected DiBiase to win. He needed the plastic surgery just oh, to true. even get there. Like, <laughs> but Savage did win, right? Yeah. And he, he gets some help from Hogan. I cannot believe Hogan would stoop that low! A flying elbow! Hook's the leg! What I always like about this, this so now we're talking about the nitty and the gritty, yeah, right? The title run. It's like this new form of the Macho Man starting at this event. You know, he always lifts Elizabeth up yes. after he wins and stuff. And kinder like, and gentler. The kinder and gentler. And I also like during that like title win, and I'm counting all four of the matches because that's part of it. Yeah. You have to win four matches to win the title. Yeah. That Elizabeth has different outfit that matches the Macho Man's different outfit each and every round. Yeah, which was four just, of them. It was cool. Like, <laughs> no, I, it's I, good. I, and I thought they just looked awesome together. Remember when he beats One Man Gang and because he's hugging Slick or something? Yeah, it's weird. And, <laughs> no, well, doesn't One Man Gang also use like the cane? Yeah, like, like shittily? Like, okay, so this is why it's dumb that one match is because like literally. They know you're eliminated if you get disqualified, <laughs> right. right? Like, the one-man gang is not really getting a lot of opportunities to win the title. Literally, the gang, he's just got to beat the Macho Man, and he's pretty much, like, set, because I think he could, like, squish Ted DiBiase. Right, right. Like, but instead... Instead, he fucks it all up. And uses but, the cane. Right. Doesn't Slickster have, like, a helmet on or something? He like, has, like, a red hat or yeah, something, yeah. I always thought it looked like a, a construction helmet in that match. It's that weird leather hat that he yeah, has, yeah. yes. But so anyway, but here's here's what's interesting. Hulk Hogan had been the champion since January of 84, and now we're talking March of 88. And finally, Hogan's going to take some time off, and well-deserved, honestly, because right. he'd been doing a wall-to-wall schedule well, with appearances. Well, he's also got to go make no-holds-barred. And, yes, <laughs> of course, he makes no-holds-barred, so... Who do they trust to carry the torch for a bit but Randy Savage? And I thought it was a great choice because when you think 80s wrestlers, even if you didn't follow wrestling, you know who Hulk Hogan is, you know who the Ultimate Warrior is maybe, and you know who the Macho Man is. Right, but I mean, at that point in time, you knew who the Macho Man was more than Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, exactly. Ultimate Warrior was just a, a, dingo, a dingo who became kind of ultimate at this point. Yeah, he was getting ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> so, Savage is the champion for all of the rest of 1988. Hogan comes back in the summer to help him fight the Mega Bucks. And that's where, of course, we kick off the famous, awesome Mega Powers feud. Yeah, and before that, if you just want like a little bit of what Macho did as the champion... 
I wouldn't say it's like the greatest run. I mean, he it's not. He fights like Bad News Brown a lot. He fights him in a ladder match at some house he show. He does for or, the title. Well, it's like a hardcore match where the ladder's involved. Yes. Right? Is that Elizabeth? She's doing favors for you, huh? Oh my goodness! Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to speak to me in that fashion? I think that's the most notable thing. Like, does he feud with anyone else of worth? He feuds with DiBiase throughout the summer, and they have some good stuff. Yeah. They do. I'm just saying, it's like, that title run feels like more, I look at it, it's it's, basically, it's all about the Mega Powers. It is. The arc is the Mega Powers. So, we've we've talked about the Mega Powers feud. We don't need to go into too much detail, but it starts at SummerSlam again with the touch, Hogan touches. Right. A little the too touch much. and look. And Savage gives Just him the, the look. look. Then we get to the Survivor it's Series. It's a little more intense there. It's a little more intense. And then by the Royal Rumble, they have some more problems. Right. Because I think... Is Hogan, that where Miss Elizabeth splits them up and she doesn't have shoes on for some reason? It's possible. I don't know. I don't know why I remember that. I just thought it was weird. Yeah, there's like, an elimination <laughs> issue. And yeah. I think Hogan dumps Savage by accident. Yeah. And they get all in a, a tizzy. And then, of course, on the main event, too, from February of 89. Right. This is, oh, Randy. Oh, Randy. Oh, Randy. <laughs> and then Thank Savage you. beats up Brutus Beefcake, which is always funny. Yeah, that is. Because he's like a big goober <laughs> in there. What business does he have? Like, I'm serious. Always Hogan's like ass sniffer. He's always. like. Right there, it's like, hey man, this is between Hogan and Machman. Get the hell out of <laughs> here! He just like hits him with like some metal like thing, like a pan stand or something. Or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, he's like, leave, asshole. And then at WrestleMania Five, Savage's year long reign, a year, one year, c- comes to an end. Hogan beats him, and that's that. Now he In has a glorious enough- Atlantic City, yeah, cool. beautiful. Where, where he won it, <laughs> extravagant, which is a nice bookend, honestly. Yeah. And then Savage has another reign now after having a, a, a respectable career from 89, 90, 91. Well, the Macho King thing I in between. It. I mean, mostly he was dealing with Dusty Rhodes. Yep, which uh, he eventually dispatched him like shittily. Finally, like, like, he, <laughs> like he was just like, get the fuck out of here. You're all this you're oldest crap. Get <laughs> yeah. your stupid polka dots out of yeah. here. He kicked his ass he like at SummerSlam. Well, because Dusty was sad about Sapphire's coat. I don't care. He could, <laughs> he could at least defend himself a little bit better. The Macho Man killed him. He did. It was like two minutes. Yeah, he destroyed his ass. Like, And then, of course, the warrior feud. Right. After that, so Macho's got his sights set. Warrior says no, like a jerk. In the greatest interference of all time, Rumble. Macho hits him with the scepter. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the light stand. The light stand. Falls on him. He helps Sergeant Slaughter of all people. Yep. Like, literally, the Macho Man is so mad that he can't get a title shot from this butthole <laughs> that he, like, he's just like, well, Sergeant Slaughter stinks, but I could kick his ass. Yeah, you know, right. You know that's, yeah. like, the Macho Man's logic, yeah. right? It's like, well, I could kick his ass later. Yeah, because he just wants a title. He doesn't right. care. Like, so he just, like, costs Warrior. It's like, <laughs> this is his punishment right. for screwing me. Like, and that's what he does. And they yeah. have a career match at WrestleMania 7 that right. everyone loves. And then he comes back as a commentator, and he's still somewhat of a bitter heel. But for sl- a minute. It's sl- not even that long. Yeah, a couple months, and then he gets nice again. Yeah. Elizabeth, and, you know, and then Undertaker hits him with the urn at his wedding right. <laughs> with Jake Roberts. <laughs> Feuds with Jake. Great little feud. Short, but great fun with Jake. And then Savage is uh, at the Rumble 92. Doesn't win it because he eliminates himself because he stinks at Royal Rumbles. Right. Well, no one really expected him to do good there. <laughs> but then he gets a title shot against Ric Flair because, of course, Hulk Hogan and Flair 
work in a fight at WrestleMania. Well, that 8. would never draw any money, right? <laughs> no. I mean, that would have been the worst match ever. Right. So it's uh, it's Flair and Savage, and Flair makes the accusations about Liz. You know, I had her before you he did. That's the centerfolds, remember, yep. of Naked Miss Elizabeth. Naked Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. And Savage wins the second and final WWF world title from Flair in an awesome freaking match. I like this whole run. First I of too. all, like, that, that match is really good, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So that really match is. is excellent. To me, this is the Macho Man is a good wrestler run. All sorts of wonderful matches like Shawn, Shawn Michaels. in 92, yeah. Does he fight Brett just for shits at some point? Not in 94. Uh, like on a tape or something. In 94, I mean. he yeah, does okay. in Japan. Okay. It's real. Yokohama. Okay. May 7th. But he also, he fights Ric Flair a lot. Fights like, Flair a lot, but mainly the highlight of it is is the Flair stuff and the Michaels matches that he has are really good. Yeah. But he, he, fight, he fights other IRS, you know, guys like that, whatever. I just felt like that was like, that run was Macho Man giving back, right? Like, yeah. it was like, okay, like, I, I, I did the deed, I accomplished what I set out to do the minute I lost the title, right? Like, yep. I want it back, I did it for Elizabeth, yeah. hell yeah, yes. this is for you, yep. I'm gonna kick your ass, Ric Flair, like, yep. I don't know. It was just kind of like a celebratory run. He had the the Ultimate Warrior thing that was dumb, but I like the match at SummerSlam '92. Not as yeah. much as their first one, obviously. But the the thing about Savage's '92 run, before we move on to the next guy here, is that it didn't feel out of place with Hogan being gone. No, it was okay that Savage had it. It didn't feel weird. It also felt like the last hurrah for yeah. that like '80s squad. Yeah, I always say that about '92. It's like once Macho and Ric Flair are out of the picture, yep. it's like okay, like. It's time for it's Brett t- and it's Sean. It's time for, yeah, the new generation, yeah, right? Unfortunately. The, of the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. But really, yeah, like Macho and Flair mark that, like, final, like, this is it. I right? would say so, yeah. yeah. And what happens is Savage loses that title uh, a couple of days after SummerSlam, September 1st in Hershey, to uh, Ric Flair with the help of Razor Ramon. Weirdly. And that would be the impetus for the Razor-Savage feud that, got dragged in the Survivor Series. So that's it for Savage as a world champion. Obviously, we'll save our thoughts for the ranking, but I quite enjoy both of his wins. Yeah. His no, runs the, in the general. Thing is, you know, we went over Savage, and it might not stand out to you like, this is super great, but it was just like, it's memorable. It's one of those things that's like just burned in you, right? Like, it's so well done that you're just like, man, this is really good. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you don't see like arcs like this with a character as the world champion that often. That's true. And Savage's whole character was one big arc, really. Yeah. Like, his whole run was pretty much an arc. Right. So, Quinn, let's uh, find out now who drew number 16. (laughs) It's It's your favorite. Bobby Backlund. Bobby Backlund. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, I don't mind Backlund as much as you do. Yeah. Now, it's right. only because, like, now it's like, now that we're watching more of this 82, was he ever good? Like, I don't know. <laughs> let's let's talk about him. So, Bob Backlund was the guy under Vince Sr. that was their final really long-run guy of the old, like, style He's under the Bruno Vince Sr. Too. Yeah, well, Pedro was maybe Bruno, too. He's Bruno Jr. Yeah, well, let's he wasn't good way. enough to be Bruno, no. too, because they jettison that shit real quick now bob backlund's a very capable competent good wrestler i'm not saying he's a bad wrestler he's a very good wrestler i wouldn't say he was a good wrestler in 1994 well chad campbell would yeah but bob backlund was not a charismatic champion no the thing is is that he beat a very charismatic champion in 77 that being or 78 that being superstar billy graham wait a minute bob backlund has superstar billy graham 
we were talking about Billy Graham, how different he had been to previous champions, Bruno and Pedro. Meanwhile, Bob Backlund was like a clone of Bruno, but like worse. Somehow. <laughs> like, yeah, well, not uh, he. I don't think he connected with people as much. Well, he's he's the all American boy, Joe. Yeah, remember that's when the you thing. were a boy and you shoved your hiney around in wrestling? What was that? Why did he like, do that? Because he's a boy, Joe. Oh, okay. He's so all he did American. The that's, what, dance? that's what all American boys do. That's exactly what we're looking for in the WWE champion. Well, as far as Bob Backlund, so he beats Superstar Graham, mm-hmm. and he has a title a long ass time. Now there are some interrupt. There's an interruption where he loses it to Antonio Inoki in Japan, but none of that counts, right? I don't think we count that. I, I, it doesn't officially count in the canon or whatever. It's, no, it might as well be Rio de Janeiro for yeah. all we know. <laughs> and he ultimately holds it all the way until. December of 1983, when he loses it to the Iron Sheik. So in that span of time, from 1978 until 1983, Bob Backlund's the world champion. He's their Bruno, basically. It's that shit again, where yeah. he's going to headline the MSG once a month. He's going to do the, the loop, do the circuit. He's going to have people that almost beat him, maybe beat him by count out. I know he had a bunch of feuds. I think he fought Flair at one point. Yeah, Flair came I'll, in. I'll say this. From what I've seen in the 82s, He's not the bad, most I, Quinn. He's okay. He gets fiery every now and then. But I mean, it's just so few and far between. And like, I know we're just watching one year of a seven-year run or whatever. Yeah, and I don't know if 82 is a great year for him. But even so, maybe he should have lost a little earlier because like guys like Jimmy Snuka, like hell, the fucking Chief is better than his ass. And, well, and, I don't know. He's awesome. Okay. <laughs> like, come on. Like, but Backlund did have, I guess, something some quality that made them want to have him as champion for that long. Wouldn't you say? Yes. There's got to be something. Because he's nice. That's literally like all I can point out is that his character is that he's a nice guy and yeah. he signs autographs before he wrestles or something. <laughs> so did I Ivan mean, Listen, if they really like Bob Backlund's equivalent is like Tony Gurria. Like, well, that's and that's not good in, in terms of character. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing to really differentiate Backlund. From Tony Gurria. As a character. Right. He was a very good wrestler, Bob Backlund. And he was obviously with an amateur background, and he's not bad, but you're right. I mean, as a champion here, he he had such a long run. He had, he had good feuds with Greg Valentine. He had a bunch of good stuff. Here's the funny Snuka. thing about Backlund, though. Like, if anything, his title runs are like his whole career. So, like, Most literally, of his WWF career. you can judge him based off that. Like, there's nothing else to really judge him off of other than, like, coming back in 93 and wearing a Princeton shirt or something. Like, well, and, and then running for president later. But let me ask you this, then. Why do you think he got so many votes? I mean, he got more than a lot of people. Because I think being the champion so long, just you automatically, like, I think people take that more into account, like, how long you run it for, hold it for some reason. Right. Even though, like, you can hold it forever and not defend it i'm taking just another title for example dean ambrose when he yeah, was like right, US when he was champion, US champion for like a hundred years sure, or something sure. and he just never fought but do you think that because it's a different era we might not relate to him the way other people might see the thing is is that you look at that era and you look at the kind of stuff that was popular people wanted to see blood and gore even in like the 70s and 80s like slasher movies were big and they wanted sure. cool characters. Like, we saw that because the guy he beat was a cool character. Yeah, like, and he was really getting over. Right, right, exactly. Like, it's not like people didn't want that. And people love Jimmy Snuka. True, and he was different. That's all I'm getting at is that, like, Bob Backlund is this weird, like, fish out of water. I don't know, like, why he's the champion. But when you have your, your heart with the man when you 
who love the man like you love a brother. Like I love this man like my brother. It makes you mad when he does something like that. It makes you sweat and it makes you want to tear him apart. That is an interesting point. Fish out of water because in the New York area is not exactly known, especially in the late 70s, early 80s, as a nice guy type of place. Right. And this is like when the city was at its most dangerous. Right, exactly. So you think you'd want a dangerous champion, right. an edgy champion. This is crack epidemic New York. You right. Know? <laughs> really, this you is graffiti New York. You want a vicious guy, right? Like a, a badass. But would that have been good for business is the thing? Because obviously they held it on him long enough because he was drawing money. The only theory I can think of is that wrestling wasn't as popular, right? But it was still, and it always will be, and it always has been, popular with children. And since Bob Backlund was this nice role model type, true, maybe true. They th- maybe that's why it worked so well. That's all I can really think of. He was a good, clean role model for the kids. Right. And they were able to parlay that and use that juxtaposition with the heels he faced, maybe to draw yeah. the, the intensity and, and kids the feuds. back then... Even when we were kids in like the nineties, like yeah. good role models were always um elevated in our heads above badasses, which is different nowadays. I think a lot of Everything's kids Everything's different now. I think kids really like badasses more. These kids today. Like when we were kids with their iPhones. Like when you would watch cartoons, right? Like your favorite your favorite hit superhero would say, Don't do drugs and you'd be like, Yeah, I won't cause he he's a superhero. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like Captain Planet says just recycle that Coke can, so young fuck, Michael. Yeah, Quinn. let's go recycle. I mean like <laughs> But that it's different now. It's like everyone wants a cool guy, right? Uh, I'm a rule breaker, right? Right, like, a rule breaker. What are you, the aftermag? Oh, yeah. fuck. Don't call them the aftermags. Oh, it's <sighs> your fault this time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And Backlund is obviously not, for the most part, not a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, too, am a neat guy. We've seen him get flared up and, and intense, and that's kind of fun when he does. Yeah. Now, if we want to flip the script here, because I think we've said a lot here about the original Backlund run. Yeah. But what about the... Well, uh, he had nine, one... <laughs> th- that one other run. He had a three-day run. Yeah. One of my least favorite things in Kate, like, as a fan, because to set the context here, this pay-per-view, I anticipated, because I had seen the SummerSlam. Yep. So nine-year-old Joe cannot <laughs> wait for the Survivor Series, and it was the last time it was on the day before Thanksgiving. It was a Wednesday. I didn't get to see it. They wouldn't let me order it. But I was confident Bret Hart was going to beat this loser. I mean, I wasn't worried about he, this. He is like forty something or yeah. so. You would think they really played on like he's George Foreman. Like yes. he's like a, he's old. Foreman had just beat um, Michael Moore for the IBF title like a few days or not weeks even the before good this. Not even the good one. I think it was the IBF. Down goes Moore on a right hand, an unbelievably close in right hand shot. I turn on Raw, or maybe it was probably the weekend syndicated show. It was probably the Saturday show. It was probably Mania or Superstars. And I find out that freaking Bob Backlund beat Bret Hart. And I was pissed off. Ladies and gentlemen, Bret Hart. the winner of this book. Oh, no. And new. Look at this. That's got to break Bret's heart. It's got to break his heart. And of course, it was like a 40-minute chicken wing, this match yeah. at Survivor Series 94. So, I, I'm really conflicted with this, this whole thing. Yeah, go ahead. Because on one hand, they took Bob Backlund, who has zero personality at all, 
And they made him somewhat interesting. Very interesting. Because they said, well, he went fucking crazy like yep. after he lost the title. Yep. He's nuts though, right? Like he he can't forgive Arnold Skoland or whatever. Oh, he for, hates Arnold Skoland. Right. He's crazy. He thinks he's still Bob Backlund from the eighties, which I kinda like. I like, like it. Like, doesn't he kind of think he's a role model? Like, he thinks he's the best thing ever. Yeah, he thinks he's, he's a like, role model. He's like an overbearing role model, one that's like, if you screw up, you're like, kids these days, like oh, well, yeah. why don't you why don't you not do drugs? Like he's well, you, funny. you idiots, right? I never have ever eaten marijuana. I have never swore in front of my children. And he misuses words and yells. It's very funny. He thinks it's a, he's smart, it's but he is such isn't. a good character. Right, it it's really a very is. good character. It is. I like all that, right? But we get to the match. It's boring. Holy shit. Maybe I'll rewatch it one day and it see if it's... It sucks balls. <laughs> now, I will say this. The one thing that did help me a little bit with this match now is, again, watching these 82s, we saw that there was actually a weird story build for, like, the chicken wing being this great move. Yeah, remember? Which is so weird to think. You know that had to be in the back of their brains that they had, like, did that all those years ago, right? Yeah, probably. They're like, well, we did make a big deal about this chicken wing. Right. Like, (laughs) it's true. He beats Brett because Owen convinces Stu and well, not Stu. He convinces Helen to throw in the towel on Brett's behalf because Bulldog was knocked out. Stu was like, "Yeah, I'm not fucking doing it." But yeah. Helen like steals. She's like, "No, we have to." Yeah, and I don't like this anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my dirty rotten brother screwed me out of the title. So <laughs> Brett takes a couple months off, and Backlund loses an MSG a few days later to Diesel in eight seconds, thus officially kicking off Quinn the Diesel era. And we can thank uh, we can thank Bob Backlund for Big Daddy for Diesel, that. yeah, there. Big Daddy Diesel, and that's Bobby Backlund as world champion. So Quinn, I believe it is now ranking time. Okay, starting with the Macho Man himself. I think I know where I want to start him, but let's start with you. Where do you want to insert Randy Savage okay. here? What if we start him? Let's just for for shits, right? Let's just start him right below Triple H and go. I think he'll go up. Okay. But, so Triple H is number six right now. Yeah. Is Randy Savage a better world champion than Triple H? I think so. And now I'll tell you why. Because again, Triple H had that memorable run, the like one memorable run. Yeah, that's really all it is. Like my time. All that's that. why we put him in as right. high as we did. Right. But listen. Triple H is not like an endearing character at all. He's not as memorable as Randy Savage. No the, way. The, he, he'd like you to think he is. Yeah. The, I mean, of course, in WWE canon, he's the greatest wrestler right. to ever exist. He, he's the king of kings, the best wrestler on, yeah. in the universe. Like in WWE canon, it's it's Ric Flair is up there. You know, Triple H is up there. Hogan. Well, maybe not. Maybe now again. Yeah. Bruno, they're all in the same category, but right. Triple H is, is at the top. Right. He's better than all of them. <laughs> right. He's he's in there. In real life, though, as a fan, I, I don't put him in that tier. He's probably right. a couple of notches below that tier. I agree. I think Savage as a wrestler definitely is above Triple H. As a champion, though, you think he is too? I do because, you know, Savage, it was one of his big goals as, as and you know, I said like his first run is more like, about the Mega Powers arc, but like, which, which is one of the greatest, yeah, freaking storylines ever. Yeah, so Triple H's is more about like I don't know, like authority. It's his and time. He, it's his time, and he had to marry the boss's daughter and all this shit. Right, like, like it's dumb. Like well, I, I don't like it as much as Randy. I'm, let's not just say it's dumb. It's yeah. just like it's not 
as fun as Randy Savage. You know what's cool about Savage's first run? What? It's one of the few times that I can think of off the top of my head anyway, and folks, there's probably more, but he turned heel midway through his run. Yeah, that's, that's true. That doesn't happen often, I mean, does Triple it? H was just healed the whole fucking time. He was healed the whole time. Savage, in that same run, was a heel and a face. Now, to be fair, it was like at the end of his run. Last few like, months, but yeah. still. I mean, yeah. that's different. Yep. You didn't see that. Yeah, that's uh, true. At that time, no, that was rare. Marketability, Savage all the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a character. I mean, Savage's markability was so crazy to the point where remember when they tried to like cut him out that like <laughs> yeah. like in history or something that like some investor calls somebody was like, why are we not like selling Randy Savage stuff? <laughs> right, like right. he's like one of the best ever. Like that stuff would sell easily, and they like had to or yeah. something because like the investors demanded it. That's how like much of a draw Randy right. Savage is. What about promo Savage all the way? Oh. Fuck yeah. I want to hear, I'm the best uh, yeah. in the world. Uh, Triple H could cut a promo. But, yeah, but I mean, not as good as Randy's. Get out of here. All right, so let's just hop- I don't even think we need to think yeah, about anything. We can hop more. him above Triple H. Yeah. Can we hop him above CM Punk, though? CM Punk will give him a run for his money. I don't know, though. They both we'll had a title for the same length of time in that one run. Remember? Right. It's like uh, a big deal. And CM Punk had a couple of additional runs, but not like. Yeah. They, they were actually, if you combine all of them, they's probably more times yeah. the champion. Savage had two runs that were both good. Now, okay, I think the thing that's going to come down to is impact with these two. Yeah. Because um, they both have tremendous impact. Sam Punk is a business-changing kind of champion, changing how, how they approach storylines. Sure. Stuff like that. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I I think the it's a little overstated, no, but I, okay. it's a little overstated. But I think it was like cemented with him more so, like this this more. You know how people like always said like the reality era. Like that didn't come about until really until like, that time until CM Punk was mm-hmm. like really like that whole thing when he initially won the title. That was like really blurring the lines, right? Yeah, they were blurry. Like, they were more blurry than they'd ever been, and I think it was more pronounced. But I think it's equally as impressive that Randy Savage could be the guy that stepped right into where Hogan was and business didn't drop off. Right. And no, well, I wanted to say about Impact there, almost to to compare, I think Randy Savage's uniqueness was something that had never been seen before. And I think that more characters, actually, if you really think about it, were... They, after Randy Savage, everyone was some weird, unique shit. Like, like more so than they'd ever been. I guess. I th- I don't know. Like, cause cause I think that's what stood out to the WWE when they like found him. Right. Well, I, he was one of the most unique characters ever all in of a wrestling. Sudden, everyone was some weird ass shit after him. Like, yeah, think I about guess. it. When he came in in '85, everyone was this established crap. Like, essentially, a lot of them were like still their 1982, 81 characters. Yeah, maybe. But as far as champion though, Quinn, I mean Savage was the guy that they trusted to fill in for Hogan. Right. Twice. Now. And business was good still. Okay. To CM Punk's point. Yeah. John Cena. Yeah. One of the mm-hmm. most biggest drawing champions of all time. Yes. They trusted CM Punk with that. I, yeah. And, and, and yes, what's great, weird about CM Punk, too, it's like he was a little more unproven than Randy Savage. On the championship, on the title level, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, because Savage had the IC for a long time when that really mattered. Right, yeah. But as far as wrestling, I mean, I think they're about equal. I, I, I think like, they're about equal at, at wrestling. Punk's probably a better technical wrestler, I guess, but I mean, I like Savage better. I agree. I think I, I like Savage's promos better. I, Punk's promos are overrated, Quinn. They might be. They're okay. I, I'll admit that they might be a little bit. They're overrated. I think they, they were shocking for the time. 
They were, yeah, I guess so, his because they were different. Peri- yeah, his time period. But again, Randy Savage is There's nothing like Randy Savage. Yeah, I mean, they were weird. Like, they, they were weird and strange, and people right. were like, this is awesome. But do you think Savage is, I mean, the, the marketability level is probably the same. Yeah. They're both marketable. I just I think would say I would say Savage edges out CM Punk yeah, in the marketability I, level. I could see because that. CM Punk, he's like an edgy type character. He isn't like a universally marketable character, as more so like the Macho Man is. And like I think of like Cena and Hogan as people who are like universally like, like cartoon characters. Like, yeah. Right. Even larger all, than life. The thing is about Austin, like just as a, a compare. Yeah. He's actually a weird fish out of water with all that because he's like He's like he bucks authority and mm-hmm. like he's a jerk and he kind of curses a lot and stuff. Yeah. So it's like it's weird that they were able to make him like cartoony. But they did. But yeah. So do you think then that Savage is hopping over Punk? I, mean, I, I do. I do too. I do. Even Punk himself. I think <laughs> he loves Randy Savage. I know. He did the elbows a tribute sometimes and he had the tights. If you think about it, almost Punk in a weird way patterned himself slightly out of Randy Savage in that unique department. A little bit. like like I think well Punk kind of just envied him. You could you always knew that. A lot of people do. Yeah. All right. So then it's Savage and The Rock now. This is where it gets confusing. Now I think that Savage is probably. Oh, this is tough because yeah. The Rock. I know. And The Rock is already at a position where he shouldn't be. Well, so. I didn't do that. You did. <laughs> See, you know what bothers me about this? I really think there's no fucking way that Bret Hart is better than Randy Savage. He's not. There, that is impossible, I know. even as champion. I agree. Well, actually, I don't know if I agree. What? I'll get out of here. They're, Come they're on. both good. Randy Macho Man Savage versus Bret Hart. If as you the compare WWE the reigns, champion? compare the reigns. Okay. So there's the Coliseum title reign. That's what the you Coliseum call him. Coliseum champion yes. reign. Yes, and it was good. He had good wrestling matches good wrestling during matches, that reign. But it didn't, it wasn't big. They big. took it off him and they wanted Hogan again. That right. didn't work. Right. There's the like wins it back at WrestleMania 10 run. It's also a good run. It's pretty good. Um, It's mostly. It's Owen. a feud with Owen, which it's is most, a great feud. It's an Owen arc. It's a good feud. The 95 96 run. Yeah, the 95 96 run. That's just the like. We have some good matches there. Right. I just feel like that was more the like Brett holding his own with the now that the, the crop of new generation yeah. guys is at his level like obviously he went into the new generation era like a little more experienced than some of these guys because he, yeah. he was like two or three years older or something yeah so like it was his time or he was obviously the the logical first pick if the new generation were to get everything yeah. right he has some good stuff though the bulldog match obviously he yeah feud with diesel there where he wins it back here's Ooh. the thing with all this guy these guys with the also the rock is this is the, this is where I think what's going to happen here. What's the crux here? What are we? The Rock, yeah. the Rock on the other hand, right? Yeah, one zillion title runs. I think it's eight or something. Yeah, I don't know end, how many it is. At it's the a end lot. of the day, it's a lot. Mostly remembered for Deadly Game feuding with Mick Foley, and then his and, whole and stick his, in two thousand. His stuff. thing with Austin in a one, yep. that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and tri- his feud with Triple H. I love it for the yeah. title. I love it. Um, that and all that stuff's great. But I, when I look at both of these guys, right, Brett and The Rock. Brett and The Rock together, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I just said to myself, does anything top the Mega Powers feud? Does anything top the feud with Ric Flair? That is two really good pieces of work. Does anything top, even like, considering when he was the champion, the Ultimate Warrior thing was rooted in a career match that took place before. Yeah, that, that's good work too. Does anything top 
the memorability of winning it in a tournament where he won four matches in a night and like quality notwithstanding, like, right? It's emotional at the end with Miss Elizabeth and Hulk and all that. And like, it's a good series with DiBiase throughout the summer. Right, yeah. Like, does anything... Yeah, the, that's fair. Leave the memories alone, if you will, right? Like, Randy Savage, that whole memorability that like etched in your brain, it's like burned in your retina. Like, you know every single mm. aspect of Randy Savage's title runs. Like, that's true. Up and down. These guys, even though they're both good, even Brett, who's your favorite wrestler, yep. he had five title runs. That's a lot. Like, yeah, one of them was a day, but yes, right, he did yeah, it five. Right. Brett's great and all. Yes. But Randy Savage, I hate to be like so like indescript, as I say, but like, <laughs> like Randy Savage is Randy Savage. Like, I don't disagree. He's the Quinn. macho man, damn it. Like, how? How are these guys at all, <laughs> especially in their title runs, better? I was actually going to. I wanted to put him right above Bret Hart myself. I think that's where he belongs. Um, I agree. Now, I've, Stone Cold and John Cena. He's not better than either. I'll tell you why he's not better than them. Yeah, go ahead. Because there, it comes down to one thing. What's that? Those guys, Cena and Austin, were the guys of their generation. Their title runs defined the company. And that's, yeah, and really, all, that's really all you have to say. Like, they, And maybe Savage has strengths. Right. That might be a little bit better than them in certain aspects. Yep. But it doesn't matter yeah. because his run was more supplementary. It was like to take a position while another guy was down. Absolutely. But he did it as uh, well as anyone could have. Yeah. And I think The Rock is a good comparison. I to, think Bret to, Hart to, is too. To, and Bret Hart to Randy Savage because those guys, again, I know you're not going to like to hear this about Bret. Ultimately, Bret and Sean, what they became as champions, when you look back, they were great champions, but they were placeholders until they could find uh, yeah. the guy. No, I agree with like, you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But that's considered in, within the context of their reigns. I mean, Brett, considering that's what it was, it was still really good. And The Rock, too. Someone had to fill in for Austin right. during that period of time. But I think we should cement Savage as number three. Yeah. Are we agreeing? Yeah. All right. That's a really good... That's I, like I think it's the fair, best Quinn. we've had in a while. It like, is. Somebody has risen that high. And that knocks off Shawn Michaels officially. Wow. Off the top 10. Michaels is now below the I mean, line. There'll be another guy. Well, maybe. Well, I we'll don't see. Know. Yeah. So Bobby Backlund, Quinn. Hey, I'm not high on him. <clears throat> I know I, you're I not really, high I'm on really him. I'm really not. I, I think that a lot of his, the reason he's voted in is because he was champion for seven years. I like, still think that there's probably something to him that we're not seeing that we'd have to be an older fan that well, was watching at the time to okay. see. You say that, right? Yes, I do. But we were really easily able to identify Billy Graham. We were able to capture okay, that and fair. understand that in our brains, why he was good. I think you and me have watched enough old-ass wrestling <laughs> to fucking understand those characters at this point. Well, let me ask you this, though, Quinn. If nothing else, Bobby Backlund's got to crack the top ten. He's better than Ric Flair as WWF champion. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I mean okay, but then... Ric Flair winning the title was infinitely more entertaining than Fine. anything Bob Backlund ever did. But one mm -hmm. match does not a whole title reign make. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm telling you is that shouldn't Bob Backlund in the seven years and four days, if you count the Stop it. Diesel it shit? seven years. Anyway, what? <laughs> whatever it was. Six years. Five years. Go ahead. Whatever. Anywho, his whole thing, right? You would think something... Anything would stick out as great as anything Ric Flair did. But it's a different time. There wasn't pay-per-view, first yeah. of all. 
But Ric Flair is from Bob Backlund's time. Ric Flair was old as fuck. Like, they were the same age. They were contemporaries. I know, but Ric Flair wrestled at Rumble 92. We're not talking about when Flair wrestled in the 70s. Well, they Bob- fought each other. That sticks out. Yeah, I guess. Backlund had a Snooka feud. He had a Valentine feud. See, the thing with Backlund is I think what you're caught on is, like, just the whole, like, he's Bob Backlund. He's, he's one of the pillars of the WWE or something like that they tell you they're bullshit this is the same company that tells you Triple H is like the king of the wrestling universe look I'm not saying that Bob Backlund is really great I I think we should also point out another thing here what as you say Bob Backlund is not that really great Bob Backlund presided over a really dumpy time period like yeah that's true post post Bruno was bad it was just hanging around like NWA was so much better like yeah. at the time, and that and that's counting Ric Flair. That's counting Harley Race. Where dusty. like his name, Dusty and all this. Bob Backlund was like he's like the Universal Champion or something. Like if mm. you wanted to equate it to today, it's like the title that no one cared about as much. And Bob Backlund was the champion during this long stretch where WWF had uh, been an NWA member most of that time until '83. Right. They right. were NWA, so they were technically a regional territory of the NWA. Right. So this wasn't even really—I mean, it was the world title. Don't get me wrong, but it yeah. wasn't really the most important belt. Yeah, I mean, in wrestling. it's almost by design because, like, they would bring in Ric Flair and Dusty, yeah. the NWA World yes. Champion, to fight these guys. But Backlund was considered like a subject of them, I guess, if, you, if it was like a kingdom yeah. or something. Like, sure. So you're trying to tell me that you don't think Bobby Backlund can crack the top 10? I really don't think so. Really? I now, we're going to catch flack. Uh, yeah. Be Listen. prepared for the flack. <laughs> Listen, Nick. Nick? Who's name, Nick? No, not... <laughs> name anybody on this list, and you, you're going to say to yourself, Bob Backlund is not better than them. John Cena, no. The oh, why did Austin, he... No, Randy Savage, no, Bret Hart, no, The Rock, no, CM Punk, no, Triple H even, no, Billy Graham, definitely not better than him, Brock Lesnar, no, Ric Flair, no. like real As WWF champion. No, yeah, just no, nothing even tops any of the moments. You don't nothing. like Bob Backlund, though. I can't think of a single thing that stands out to me that's really great with Bob Backlund. But I think part of that is because a lot of the old wrestling we've watched... What is we generally pay per views? Okay, I'll tell you and one. house shows the from one, the late eighties and nineties. The one thing, the only moment I can think about with Bob Backlund that's like super memorable. It's in the annals of wrestling. You right? said it right. Wow. Yeah. Well, because I'm talking serious right now. Oh, excuse me. Is Bob Backlund versus Jimmy Snuka? Yeah, it's a good feud. When he jumps off the cage and misses, but yes. again, it's all about Jimmy Snuka. It is about Snuka. <laughs> Do you think Bob Backlund's boring to watch? He stinks, yeah. Do you think that his promos are good? We watch him every week, Joe. Do you think that his promos are good? They're they're terrible. Can you at least humor me, and can we put him right below Shawn Michaels and above Edge? Yes. Actually, (laughs) that is a perfect spot for him. I'll give him this. And listen, it's debatable if he's even better than Edge, but he's definitely not better than Shawn Michaels. All right. Like, there's no way. Now, listen, all kidding aside, or at least partially aside, Tell us what we're missing, okay, with Bob Backlund. <laughs> we're not going to pretend to be familiar with stuff that we're not. After watching two years of that 1982 shit and you're telling me we're not familiar with Bob Backlund? Two years of one year? That's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> we've been we, watching we've it been for two years. We've been able to yeah. dwell over it. Yes. Let's put it that way. 
Okay, well, we're very familiar with 1982 Bob Backlund, but folks, tell us uh, what what's good about him. He did get a lot of votes. Maybe you're onto something, Quinn. Maybe it's because of the longevity. I think we're going to get at least a moderate amount of flack. But you know what? We welcome the flack. This is our vantage point. Ex- we want to. You know, if you're going to give me flack about this, tell me like, is it really just the years? That's what I need to know. Is he a compiler? You know, is, a stat compiler? Is he just like? Oh, well, it's this, it's the closest to Bruno, so he must be good. Tell me a good match. Name me a good match. Quinn wants to know. But I want to uh, run down now, Quinn. The top ten as of now. We have at number one, John Cena. Jonathan. Num- <laughs> number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Did the cold stuff. Number three, Randy Savage. Wow, new entry and high. High, very high. Super high. Number four, Burt Hart. Burt Hart, down one, <laughs> number f- Number five, The Ruck. Down one also, unfortunately. Number six, C- CP Monk. <laughs> yes, CP Monk. Is, again, everyone's down. Everyone's shifted. That yep. knocked a lot of people. Yep. Number seven, Triple Horse. The Horseman. Number eight, Willie Graham. Willie Graham. <laughs> number nine, Brick Lesnar. The Brickest. And number 10, Nick Flair. That Nick, <laughs> Nick Flair hanging. Hanging. Michaels is eliminated. Yep. Backlund is below the top 10. Edge, Mankind, Guerrero, and well, Orton and Guerrero are all below the top 10. That is Royal Rankings Week 8. We will be back next week with another one, but we'll be back in a couple of seconds here because when we come back, when we are reviewing something, and I'd like to talk to Tom. Yep. We'll, be, we'll see you then, Tom. We'll see you then, Tom. No freak out. No confetti. No nothing. For nobody. Situations develop, man. I'm the W World Champion, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Once the belt defended it with honor. And then all of a sudden, some guy who calls himself the one-man gang moves a dynasty. Welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode number 108. And, Quinn, before we talk to Tom, yes, we, Tom. we have some very important people to talk about. Now, there are other wrestling podcasts out there. Yeah. We're not the only one. We're not clearly. the only one. Most of them are hosted by Conrad Thompson, but the ones that aren't are right. also good. And uh, we have three that we want you to check out. They're friends of the show. So Conrad Thompson didn't invent any of these No, shows. he didn't. He's not involved He invented here. podcasting. And though, right? Blazers. And yes, Blazers, right. Correct. Okay. And gotcha. Mortgages. Yeah, Mortgages also. So check out the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. It comes out actually every Monday, so you can listen to it right after this one if you'd like. And it's hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business, unlike Quinn and myself. We're just members, of course, of the wrestling media. The media media as they say that's where we are yeah but these guys one of them is a wrestler and he wrestles right now for ring of honor that great promotion and his name is the kingpin brian malonis otherwise known as the wine city whaler brian malonis that's correct and he's a wrestler and he's joined each and every week by an independent wrestling referee that is allegedly on an extended hiatus. Right. Retirement. We think it's retirement. Yeah. And his name is Mean Mike Crockett. The meanest, the Mike's. The biggest of daddies. The biggest of daddies. That's yes, right. That's it. I got it. <laughs> and what these guys do is, is very cool because they'll talk the current product a bit, but it's not just your typical, oh, let's review Raw. Blah. 
they will use their experiences in the business to kind of put some perspective on what's going on in the business now versus the past. They also will talk about just the worst or best things from retro wrestling. It's a really fun show. Sometimes you get an interview from someone from within. Great time. It's the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Check those guys out. Yep. Also check out on Thursdays. Now, this is the critically acclaimed you mean us? Yeah, we like, think we, it's we've good. acclaimed it. We've no, acclaimed it. We're podcast critics. Yes. When are we going to release the episode where we just review podcasts? We had a request for that recently. Wait, is gonna, that real? Yes, we really did. Uh, Bob Russell requested that, Ooh. so we might have to check into that. Oh, boy. But check out the critically acclaimed Greetings from Allentown, GF Allentown. That's every single Thursday. You can find him on his own feed and the Pro Wrestling Only feed. And Quinn, GF Allentown is hosted by one very lonely, lonely man, our little brother, Petey Winston. The littlest of brothers. He's a good guy. Weird, interesting. What he'll do is he'll take an episode of Retro Wrestling, and while he reviews that, you're going to hear inside the mind of Peter Winston. You're going to get stories, anecdotes, reflections, all sorts of things. Sometimes his cat, whiskey, hockey... Ron Kittle. Ever wanted to hear about um, a famous moment in sports in 1991 that had nothing to do with the Super Bowl? Something with college? I don't know. Petey Winston's got you covered. He's got you covered. Check out Greetings from Allentown every single Thursday. And also check out our Southern Fried Brethren. If you like your wrestling with a side of grits, you can check out Booking the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew because these guys go south of the Mason-Dixon line. They taste gritty. They're they're below that Mason and that Dixon. And what they do down there is they are the un professional wrestling podcasts as they walk you through and laugh you through Smoky Mountain Wrestling and the NWA Crockett Ears. That is booking the territory. Now, I will say this. They might have a great outlook on the show we're about to review here. That's a good point, Quinn, because we are about to review something that is, this has been requested by Gino Cuddy, who is a newer fan of the show, and he really wanted us to do this, and he mentioned it about a month ago on our Facebook group. Right. Now, our friend of the show, Peter Winson, greetings from Allentown. He had already had this one lined up. You know, you got to please, you got to keep the critics happy. So he right. had had this one lined up already in the queue. And he actually did this before we did. Now, in order to maintain an unbiased professional integrity and accuracy, Quinn and I did not listen to the specific episode of Greetings from Allentown. I had no idea. In fact, Joe knew the angle more than I did going yeah. into it. I had no idea. You know, I'd watched some Continental, obviously, but I had not made it up to this point because this is a little, this is more later era yes. Continental, I would say. It is. So what yeah. we're about to review is Continental Championship Wrestling from April 23rd, 1988. Now, Quinn, Continental, you mentioned, it's a promotion that you've really liked. You want to just, for, for maybe some of the newer fans, you want to just explain what you like about it. Okay, so we first reviewed Continental, I don't know, like a Way year back, ago, yeah. like something like that. Yeah. I really enjoyed it to the point where I watched a couple episodes. What I like the most about it is it's not your typical 80s promotion. It's like pseudo hardcore and like the angles are very edgy to the point of like you're asking the question like they really did this right. in 1986 or yes. 88 or whenever <laughs> the fuck it is, like whatever episode you're watching that day. Yep. It's very interesting. It does seem like it's a precursor to Paul Heyman's ECW. The other thing that's interesting about it is it has Gordon solely on commentary. Gordon, who's ubiquitous in the NWA area to begin with. Right. And normally I hate Gordon solely. Yes, you do. But what I like about Gordon solely only in this promotion, I think this is his best work, is this fish out of water thing with him. Gordon is this respectable old man, like announcer man. The dean of announcers, right? right? Like JR is our best ever in high school or whatever. <laughs> I locked him in high school. I locked him in high school. 
Whatever. JR thinks he's the greatest thing ever. The bee's knees. But this is like if you threw JR, for example, into ECW before, right. like right when ECW was starting. And like he's like not expecting this right. shit to happen. Yeah, so it has that aspect. And the thing about it, you know, this was this promotion's closed within a year of this episode. End of eighty nine. That's continental. <laughs> yeah, it's close. And it's one of the few bigger promotions, you know, relatively, that Vince McMahon has not purchased the footage right. to. Right. So that was the last point I wanted to make, actually, about it, is that it's it's a lost promotion. Which it really is, like, is. unprecedented right now in the world of professional wrestling. Nobody owns this but David Wood, the guy who, yep. like, owned it back then. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Who bought like, it around that time in the right, late 80s. Right, exactly. This guy has just held on to it. He's not making a nickel off this. Like, basically, all of it uh, is on YouTube now. Like, yeah. everything. If it hasn't sold by now... What's going on with it? Vince is the only buyer I can really find. Or he makes DVD sets. That's what I said to Joe yeah, when, when we went out. So, like, so 100 he, people can buy them? But I'm saying it would be more than $0 like, that <laughs> yeah, he's making true. now off of it. I think it'll sell it to Vince personally. Yeah. That's really what I think would happen, if anything. But let's finally get to this because this was a requested episode by Gino Cuddy. And Gino, this one's for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Holiday season, you know, we're here in December. We're giving. It's a very giving episode. So we are in stereo on of w- course. <laughs> I mean, we we love stereo around yeah, here. We I present our podcast in stereo, it is in stereo. In case you were wondering, not in Dolby though. It's yeah. WCBI four in Columbus, Mississippi. And when we get a more advanced opening, you were saying, it's yeah, it's more, more advanced than what I had seen with Continental so far. So there's this like grid, almost like a Sega Master System game boxes or something. Like you know what I'm talking about? Yes, like, I do. That grid it's pattern, grid. and there's like these boxes of the wrestlers like flying by, but. We still keep Party All the Time by uh, Eddie Murphy. Great song. Did he sing that or is it somebody else? Party All the Time is Eddie Murphy, believe it or not. So we go to the wrestling commentator of the year, Gordon Soley. Yeah, they still have the shitty background. What background is that you're talking about? It's the shitty, like, it looks like it's from the 70s or early 80s or something. The sign that says Continental? globe sort of thing. (laughs) It's like, it's got that weird, like, HBO, like, remember the beginning of HBO, like, that shitty video where it's like the claymation of the world (laughs) or whatever? Like, it's kind of that, but drawn, and it says CCW on it. It looks cheap is the point, right? So Charlie Platt now comes in to talk about things are really beginning to perk. Very very (laughs) central perk here. Hey, what have you guys been up to? Things are really beginning to perk. Really beginning to perk. He says nothing specific, and Gordon reminds us that the Super Summer Sizzle 88 is coming up. <laughs> that can't be. That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like literally something like if they made a wrestling episode of Married with Children, <laughs> and they were like going, like, whatever the kid's with, name is. With it? King Kong Bundy and Bud, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, Gordon's mic is all feedback. The whole time in the beginning. Really like, shitty. Because we do have some uh, outstanding matches upcoming during the next hour. And- so he promises us an interview later with Eddie Gilbert, but first... Let's take a look at last week. Now, last week, Dr. Tom Pritchard is in the ring, and he pulls scissors out of his boot and cuts the hair off a prone, dirty white boy, Tony Anthony. Dr. Tom looks cool at this point. Like, I like how he looks. Like, his hair's not as puffy. No. Like, and it, it's just, like, the right length, and he's got jeans and on. a t-shirt. Like, with a black t-shirt. <laughs> he looks, like, stone cold, kind of. He's awesome here. Yeah, he's really good. You know, we always bust his balls about him being zip or whatever he was zip you know in his time before the wwe neutered him or whatever yeah he was great 
And this is his time. Yeah. This era is, he's really good. So Lady Mystic, that's a dirty white boy's valet. She protests on the outside. By the way, temperature in Columbus, Mississippi is 69 degrees. Time and temperature. Time and temperature. Back to Gordon and Charlie, who are interrupted by Lady Mystic. She has a black eye. She has a very bad black eye. So she comes in and she's distraught. She says a dirty white boy did it to her. And she asks if she could please talk to Tom. White boy did this to me and I'd like to talk to Tom. Please. It's very like jarring it is you say like yeah it's very like Like is this real and she's on the verge of tears and she's pleading and gordon sends charlie platt backstage to look for him and gordon's like oh good lord again this is this is perfect gordon like fish out of water like doesn't understand what's happening like he's like how could this be happening on the air yeah right right (laughs) you know like this can't be you know charlie platt comes back in he whispers to gordon that tom pritchard doesn't want to come out and gordon's like look we've got a television show to do now this is where i say what a dick (laughs) like why is he making the victim look like like shitty or something lady i can't fucking help you go get me a drink it's a fake fighting wrestling show right like and this woman might have got raped or punched or something beat up in some capacity right so we go to a commercial with the Rocky bumper that Quinn loves. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's the song when he's like climbing in the mountain. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, Chocolate! <laughs> at the end, like it's that. I forget what what is the name of that. No easy no way. No easy out. way out. Yeah, no easy way out. So Continental Championship Wrestling Quinn will be coming to Columbus, Georgia, Falkville, Alabama, Prayville, Alabama, Beulah, Alabama, Wausau, Florida, amongst others. Nothing like high skill gyms and armories. Yeah, gotta right? love your wrestling there. Yeah, that, right? that's that's really what what wrestling is all about. <laughs> Back to Gordon, and he kind of blames Mystic for hanging around with Tony Anthony it's to begin with. Fucked up, right? Like, yeah, they, he keeps going on and on about yeah. like bad company, like not the tag team, but no, like and not the keep, band keeping bad company and how it's like kind of her fault, right? Like, which is bullshit. Sure, that wouldn't fly on Twitter these days. Yeah, it it is like it is very of the time though, and in a weird way, but it does add some semblance of realism to it that Gordon right. would like jump to that conclusion right, right, as right. like an old man or yeah. whatever. <laughs> He's like, from a different era. Yeah. Even then. Yeah. Uh, and now a paid message from the recently uh, expelled, deported Rod Robert Fuller. Yeah, that, I'm not clear on what happened didn't say to why. him. I'm assuming he lost some kind of loser leaves town match because that seems very southern. <laughs> that like, seems like what it would be. Yeah. And uh, Rob Fuller is very mad at Dutch Mantel and he calls his cousin Jimmy Golden. That would be a uh, bunkhouse buck. He calls him the greatest man he's ever known. As you never cross my beloved cousin. I'm talking about Jimmy Golden, one of the finest men on earth. I think my brother is garbage when it comes to what I think of my cousin, Jimmy Golden. I'd say Fuller is about 70% Colonel Parker at this point. Yeah, he's getting there. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he, even his suit color. Yeah. And the hat. Hat, suit color, cigar. Now, he's got the sunglasses, but they're like these weird... They're, they're not... They're good. They're, they're like good. Act, they're like actually like too stylish for <laughs> Colonel Parker. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but he's got the cigar, so that's, cigar. that's something. So, down the ring set here, and it's the Red Devil. I don't know who that is. Versus, a chopper. Yeah. yeah, it's chopper. Versus Dirty Dutch Mantel and a very dubious looking shirt. I also like his fuzzy boots. He's got like the berserker boots. <laughs> he does. The yeah. white fuzzy yeah. berserker boots. Yeah. Uh, Edward Fuck is the ref. I don't know his name, yeah. Ring official is Edward Fuck. There's about 350 people there, by the way, which it's, is sad. It's poor, and you know what? It just it does make me sad because this company's good. Like yeah, it already, we just watched like the first five minutes, and shit's happening. It's, it's well paid. It's a shame that they just kind of like I guess they just ran out of money or something. I really don't know, but I, I would guess that's what yeah, it was. Like they just couldn't compete. What's it's not 
that they couldn't compete because they were like doing dumb shit. It's just like, I don't know, they were just in like some hole where nobody was paying attention. Even Vern couldn't compete by this time. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. So um, anyway, Dutch attacks the dirt devil here to to start with punches, kicks, stomps, clotheslines, power slam, and a forearm to the chest for the win. Not bad. It, real was, quick. it, it was real quick, just as to long as it needed to be. And yeah. it's dirty Dutch. You can't go wrong with yeah. him. He's, he's fine. He's a face here, by the yeah. way. He's fun. He's just like newly minted face, yep. right? Yep. Charlie Platt runs into the ring to talk to Dutch. Uh, it's still 69 degrees, by the way. Monitoring that, yeah. <laughs> and Dutch quotes Martin Luther King Jr. Which, which he doesn't know is Martin Luther King Jr. Because <laughs> he literally says, like, a great man once said, like, how do you not know that's... Like, it, it, it's literally, like, one of his main lines. Yeah, free at last, free yeah, at last, hallelujah, free, free at last. Yeah. I kind of have a dream. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. So anyway, he's very, very proud, Dutch is, about splitting up Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden. And he also talks about, I don't know what this rant is about, he shot out a traffic light and beat up a guy in Knoxville to help Robert Fuller out. I gotta say, at the very least, this promo is captivating. It is. I love the the pacing of the show. You mentioned it. Right. You know, you go from the opener, which is like real good and their storyline development, quick squash match, then another interview, like boom, boom, boom. Now we say this, right? And obviously we know that this is like a notable episode. But the thing is, is we've watched continentals right, right. that are not like notable episodes and they're always like this. They're this pacing. Is, yeah. this, it's always like, it's like shit's going on a continental. Like it's always a madhouse over yes, there, right? always. Yeah. So as Dutch is rambling on, who comes out but Detroit Demolition? Now, that is the original smash Moondog Rex, Randy Colley. So wait, he kept the demolition gear, right? After he left. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I love it. Like it's yeah. just like he like begrudgingly yeah. just like, well, you know what? I'm gonna take it with me. <laughs> F you, Vince. Yeah, that's kind of cool, right? He didn't just revert back to Moondog Rex. Thankfully. Right? Yeah. So uh, Rex over here gets in the ring and Dutch is trying to like get help from him, kind of, and Rex just punches him in the yeah, face. Yeah, it's good. Right? It's solid. It's, it's like a melee. They didn't like talk for 20 minutes about <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to team up with you. Yeah. You should team up with me. No, it's just like punch. Like, no, he didn't even talk to him at all. Yeah. And you were saying this is like how Russo would book shit 10 years later. Yeah, it's like, it, it seems like things are intersecting too because yes. there seems to be some kind of suggestion that like the Demolition Man or whatever his name is, yeah. De- Detroit, Detroit Demolition, Demolition, that he wasn't like previously aligned with Dutch Mantel no, no, or no. something. Like that it's just like, well, he seems like a good guy to recruit for this because right. he's kind of surly or something, right? <laughs> like, And Detroit Demolition's like, I don't fucking like you. Yeah, it's like, why am I, fuck you. Like, you know. <laughs> so Dutch gets the upper hand until, quote unquote, Lord Humongous runs in to beat the shit out of Dutch. Right, but, but he doesn't really look like him. No, Gordon, he has the mask, but that's right. about it. And Gordon's very skeptical that it's not even really him. So Dutch gets tied in the ropes and Detroit Demolition and Fake Humongous leave. And now Detective Gordon Soley. Yes, this is the, this is my favorite where Gordon Soley, like this is a common thing he does on this show where like really the viewers should be left to figure it out. But Gordon always like... He, fuck the exposition. Yeah, fuck the exposition. Gordon's just like, you know what? I really think that's that's somebody that shouldn't be wrestling. Like, he, that's literally, like, what he's saying. <laughs> look like, at the walk. Look at the attire. Look yeah. at that blonde hair there, Charlie. I think that's Robert Fuller in disguise. Yeah. Those trunks, let me check that walk. Let, look at that curly brown hair. I'll tell you what, Charlie. 
That isn't Lord Humongous, and I think I have an idea who it is. I think it is the former head of the former state. Yep, I think you're right. That sure appeared to be Robert Fuller. And of course, that's a big no-no. You know, right. Robert Fuller's banned. Right. You're banned from this store. You're banned. So let's uh, go back to ringside with Danny Davis. The shitty Danny Davis. <laughs> he stinks. He's like the worst guy in this company, and I hate his stupid face paint. <laughs> I've been over this. Go listen yeah. to our Continental episodes, like 20-something. Right. I don't know this what is, number it is. Just to clarify, this is Nightmare Danny Davis, not Khaki's referee Danny Davis. Yeah, not floppy hair. <laughs> yeah, not Shemp Danny yeah, Davis. Yeah. He's this, shitty. He is. So he considers Columbus, Mississippi his own town. There is no town for Danny Davis. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> so back to Charlie Platt with the Southern boys, uh, Tracy Smothers and Woody Harrelson, apparently. These two stink at promos, they by do. the way. Like, they're very... Here's the thing is, like, we're watching this and, like, we're kind of discussing, like, Freddie Joe Floyd again, how we always do. You know, what's his head? What's his real Tracy name? Tracy Smothers, Tracy yeah. Smothers. Have we really ever seen anything good with him now? Like, it's been a couple things. Like, a lot of people show a lot of reverence for him. Like, oh, he was misused in the WWE. Which now, he dirty, was, clearly. But, but Dirty White Boy was misused in the WWE. Not yes. fucking Woody Harrelson, like, <laughs> friend here or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you maybe unfamiliar with the Southern stuff, Tracy Smothers is Freddie Joe Floyd from WWF 96. Dirty white boy Tony Anthony is T.L. Hopper. So tell me who's misused more <laughs> right. there. I mean, come on. Yeah. Freddie Joe Floyd was almost the same with just a different name. Right. He, he, he's, he's, he's generic. Just, he's just generic and he's not good. And like, I'm just trying to see, like, was he ever good? Is it just like one of those, right. you know, like Smoky Mountain people just really love him? Because he was like, the, he was essentially the baby face of the company, right? That's true. You know what? Mike Mills, you're out there. Let yeah. us know what is some good Tracy Smothers stuff. There you go. Sure. Let yeah. us know. We, yeah. We're open. We're open we're to open. it. It's we just, really I, are. It's just, I think we've seen a lot with him at this point. He's like, boring. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we've seen perfectly like enough footage. We've seen the Continental stuff. We've seen Smoky Mountain right. stuff. He's not yeah. interesting. Anyway, by the way, just in case you want to get mad at me, Woody Harrelson here is Steve Armstrong, like the worst of the Armstrong brothers, okay? Yeah, it, just it, so we have that out there. Yeah, nobody cares. No. So anyway, Woody references the Roman Empire crumbling. Crumbling. Uh, Tracy references Jerry Lawler. Yeah, well, you're allowed to do whatever in Continental, so like, <laughs> yeah. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Why like, not? They're known for that. Like, wait till you see what happens later <laughs> yeah. in this show. <laughs> so back to Gordon, and he's with Bill Kazmaier and Tom Owens. Joe's and- favorite, Bill Kazmaier. <laughs> Did you like nominate him for like one of worst wrestlers? Yes. More or whatever. So Bill Kazmaier is like a worse version of Ted Arcidi. Right. Not Ted Arcidi, which right. I was almost like confusing. Like, I was like, are they the same person? I'm well, not sure. Well, because it was the same thing. They were both really strong men. <laughs> they both one- had like weird curly Hercules hair. <laughs> but like later era Hercules, yeah, yeah, right? Like the shitty era 91. when he was fat or whatever. <laughs> so anyway, Bill uh, Bill Kazmaier's got an injured arm. He uh, He fractured his humerus, which, you know, that's not really funny. Is that real? Like That's it- what the bone is called. Yeah, it's a funny bone. They call it the humorous? Yes. That's what no it's called way. your funny I never bone. Knew, I never knew that. Yeah, the humorous. Oh, I just called the I just called the funny bone because everyone just always called it the funny bone. I didn't really think about it. It's your humorous. I, that's like a medical joke, basically. Is what yeah, you're we're making medical jokes here, so this is the highbrow humor. Wow. Maybe one day we'll be critically very acclaimed. high, very brow. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Tom Owens sounds like Jeff Foxworthy. But <laughs> when a man's got him down with his foot, you might be a redneck. Why does Bill Kazmaier look like shit? Like, he's wearing his pajamas and, like, I, like a crappy, like, cast. It's awful. And he looks like he's, like, 48. Why is he here? I don't like, know. I hate it. And he he made it to WWE, right, at some point? No, WCW. Sorry, WCW. 91, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. 
But before we can answer why Bill Kazmaier is in his pajamas, Mystic interrupts again. And Excuse go- me. And Gordon's like, lady, you got to get out of here. We- I just want to talk to Tom. She wants to do it. But uh, so Gordon, Gordon's like, fuck it. He gives Charlie Platt his mic and he goes to find Tom himself. Now, Char- <laughs> Charlie's holding the mic and he's like stumbling and mumbling around all awkwardly. Continuing with Continental Wrestling, um, excuse me, Mr. He's like Garth when Wayne leaves in Wayne's world. Like he's like, eh, he, he, I having, don't know what to do. Like you know, like I'm not having a great time. And like not. If, if we want to like equate it to what like this idiot says, he's just like, eh, how do you feel? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's I, very bad. Uh, are you is he okay back there? Like it's like he's all lost. Yeah, like, it's amazing. So finally, Doctor Tom does come out. I guess Gordon he'll listen to. Fuck Charlie Platt. Yeah, yeah. But Gordon, ah, Tom, you got to come out. She's interrupting right. our television program. Tom goes on and on. He's like, he would never hit a lady. He's not doing his Piper imitation, by the way. No, anymore. no, not at he's all. He's not doing that here. And he he also is kind of like you know this is what happens when you hang out with dirty white boy. And, yeah, what uh, is with this like yeah, victim shaming her like <laughs> thing like. <laughs> So she explains what happened. You know, Dirty White Boy got pissed because he didn't want that haircut and she wouldn't help him not get that haircut. Right, right. And then off mic, we can hear Tom say, he's like, you need some help. Maybe a rape crisis center. I know you need some help. Maybe see a rape crisis center. Yeah, they're really getting like realistic here. Like, okay, like I will say, I appreciate the devotion to realism. Yeah, right. He's like, listen, I don't know how to take care of this kind of situation kind of thing is what he's saying, right? Like, you need to, like, call a number. Yeah, call or, someone. I don't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, the cops or something. I don't know. Tom doesn't really want much to do with this, but Mystic is pleading and pleading with him. It's and, starting, like, you're starting to feel really sympathetic about yeah. it, right? Like, you're like, this is kind of, like, effed up. Like, Tom's supposed to be a big hero here, yeah. right? Like, why can't he, like, beat up Dirty White Boy? Right. So she's begging him, and as she's pleading with him, Dirty White Boy runs out beats the shit out of Dr. Tom Holy with a chair. Crap. This is vicious beatdown. This is like not normal for 1988. Right. Like no, he, definitely. Like they start tearing down the set, yeah. the, the, the shitty set, which... They knock the podium over. Knock, yeah, everything's all messed up. It's almost like we're like getting rid of an era of yeah. here. It's like the the, he, the innocence is lost. <laughs> he, he throws him through that shitty set. You see like the vans in the background yeah, like the, parked. I guess like what the, has the equipment the in it. production truck. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's awesome, really. He throws Edward Fox down, you yeah. know, the ref. Yep. And of course... Mystic was in on it the whole time. Right. She joins in and she's like daintily stomping yes, Dr. The Tom. Dainty stomps are really hilarious. It's good. Dirty White Boy is really beating the fuck out of him. Oh, and yeah. She, and she's like, eh, eh. Yeah, it's like, it's funny. And I didn't say this to you at the time, Quinn, but yeah. Tony Anthony looks awesome. Oh, yeah. He's got like jeans. He's got like a Confederate bandana, bandana. just to make him seem more evil. And he's actually got hair still and like a beard. Right. He, he looks he, awesome. He's an absolute badass. Perfect. Yeah. So he handcuffs Dr. Tom's hands behind his back and stomps him in the face. Then he comes in with a noose. Yes. Once he pulls at the noose, I'm like, oh my God, this is getting like serious. Right. Like, he, he puts it around his neck and then he starts fucking dragging him all the way through the arena near to where the crowd Mind is. Mind you, doing this like past cops, like <laughs> yeah. actual police officers. Right. As the announcers are scrambling to get back on the air, they're not are sure we if on? the mic's are we working. On? And you said, Quinn, you know, just casual attempted yeah, murder. Yeah, it's literally casual <laughs> attempted murder because like what makes it more ridiculous, I keep saying this, is like the cops are in plain view. Right. Like they're just looking at it like, Meh, okay. What do like, they sign waivers that the cops yeah, aren't like, allowed to uh, get involved? The wrestlers are allowed to kill each other. Like, 
<laughs> so Gordon and Charlie are disgusted, and it is still 69 degrees yeah, I, I in Columbus. Yeah, I love that that shit comes on like very timely <laughs> yeah. in the middle of that. <laughs> Dirty White Boy rigs up the noose over the turnbuckle to the outside. So now he's like legit being hung. He's <laughs> hanging Dr. Tom. Gordon is now pleading for help over the headset. Like, come on, someone get out here. Why is this taking so long? I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Finally, some guys come out. You know, the Southern boys, probably Danny Davis. I don't see who else. Dr. Tom, thankfully, is alive. He is conscious. So we go to commercial. We come back with the grappler, a jobber, and Mark yeah. Young, maybe a jobber, versus Danny Davis and Wildcat Wendell Cooley and Quinn. You will love that theme song. Oh, yeah. The um, Hello Again. The awesome. Hello Again is great. It's um, so good. You know, from Nick at Night yeah. fame. <laughs> yes. It's like now, when they were all dancing around. What a juxtaposition of a shitty wrestler, Danny Davis, and a really great theme song. He's got song. good music. I'll give, he him, does. That. give um, him that. He's really bad at everything else. <laughs> this is an Australian tag team match. And right. Quinn, I commissioned you to please look that up during which, the review. Which, it's weird because I was like, I was pretty sure it had something to do with the tag rope. And that's exactly what it has to do with it. It's yeah. no tag rope. You don't have to touch the tag rope or be yeah. near a tag rope. It seems kind of a dumb but you still like, have to tag in yeah it's still it seems kind of a dumb exclusion <laughs> Stupid. like you i we've seen many australian tag matches on 82 we have but like we never really cared to look because it just appeared to be a regular tag right match, exactly which it basically is. <laughs> it is so anyway davis and mark young start as gordon talks about how they got their podium back together thankfully you know yeah. can't live without that podium it's, someone nicely gave them a curtain or something yeah. right yeah. yeah he bemoans the attempted murder of dr tom danny davis with a tombstone on the grappler and then he tags out to Cooley who comes in with the bulldog for the win that Thank was God. brisk yeah, yeah. that was nice and fast Gordon is with Eddie Gilbert I like Eddie Gilbert yeah he's okay he's I not mean, bad all I feel is Eddie Gilbert's like learning here and he's like oh man I can take these ideas and start a promotion seriously yeah so he calls the crowd rednecks and uh, says he's the best wrestler ever right Gordon Gordon's like I don't know about I, that I weirdly <laughs> took umbrage with him making fun of specifically the Continental fans because these guys like know what they like this is like good wrestling that's right the continental yeah. fans i think chris p lettuce is like the most prominent purveyor of yeah. continental on twitter you know uh content this shit is good right this is like it feels like it could be now you know what i it's mean realistic like, it's realistic it's gritty it's just great like i really I have agree. no problems with it and i'm excited that we get to watch it and I, like I it's available too. and like there's no hard way to get it yeah it's great i Until love watching Vince this stuff. it and then like locks it up in a vault for five years and then it's on the <laughs> and then it's on the network yeah. we'll have to get rid of all the licensed music right so oh, it would yeah, take it'd a while just be ruined anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh gordon doesn't quite agree that eddie is the best ever in fact he talks about how Gilbert threw fire at Jerry Lawler, and then this is great. Yeah, this I love is this bit. Amazing. Yeah. Eddie's all denying it. Gordon's like, you know what? Spruce, Spruce, my yeah. director, why don't you show the video Spruce, first of all? Yes. First, yeah, that's the first part. <laughs> Spruce. You know we're in the South. Like Spruce. Let me clip, let me call on my director. Spruce. But then Spruce, we hear him through Gordon's earpiece yes, like they pipe how, it in. This company's good. That's great. <laughs> I know. You never get to hear like who's in the earpiece. Right. And I love that just because you need to like for the exposition to understand yeah. the scene. Yes. They actually like you get to hear yes. the earpiece. It's That's awesome. fantastic. And he's like, uh, Gordon, the tape was here. It was on the shelf and it's stolen. And Eddie's playing in a scene. You know, he's yeah. like, I don't know what happened to it. Right. He so, clearly <laughs> like, I don't know, peed on it or something. Uh, got rid of it. Gordon's a little pissed off so he just throws the commercial so anyway back to gordon and the fucked up set um, yeah. mystic and dirty white boy now run in and gordon's pissed yeah he's, he's had like, like what are you enough doing here? of this shit and mystic rubs off her I, fake black eye i love 
how defiantly she does it. Yep. She looks straight into the camera and like rubs it off like, <laughs> like ha ha, you're all idiots. Yep. And Tony Anthony starts trying to cut a promo, but Gordon's like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Let's yeah. go to the fucking ring. Yeah, you know? he literally like he cuts them off. <laughs> yeah, like he's... it's like just get to the wrestling. We don't we don't want you on this program. <laughs> like I love the authority that Gordon has, by the way, in this company. He's their gorilla. Like Gorilla would do the same thing. Right. Actually, that is the best comparison I've heard so far. Gordon is g- what Gorilla was to like the Steve Austin takeover of WWF. Yeah, remember how like Gorilla acted towards Steve Austin? Yeah, get out of here! Right, I'll have you taken out of here. It was the wanting the semblance of like respectability, right. and everyone listened to Gorilla, but they weren't happy about it. Right, but it's like this defiance, right? Yep. It's so fantastic. It really is. So next match here is the DI, a drill instructor, yeah. and. Detroit Demolition versus the tag team champions, the Southern Boys. It's, it sucks, this this whole thing. This whole thing sucks. Yeah. It's an awful theme song. It's an yeah. awful tag team. The D.I. stinks. The D.I., <laughs> he looks like if, like, the Gomer Pyle guy from the movie, he, like, didn't kill himself, and he just went on to be the drill instructor. That's what he looks like. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. So Detroit and Woody here circle to start. Side headlock by Rex. Escape by Woody into a monkey flip. Freddie Joe Floyd tags in. Gordon references the uh, CCW general manager, Jack Curtis. It's weird that they're talking about general <laughs> managers. Like, before that was even, like, a concept. <laughs> what? what? Like, I thought WWF was, like, pretty unique and, like, oh, we'll make him, like, general manager of, like, a baseball team, yes. right? It's like, nah, Continental, we got that covered, too. Like, what did they do? Everything first? <laughs> it's they're <awesome>. ridiculous. <laughs> Like, seriously, how is this company so ahead of everyone? So Detroit accidentally boots the DI as Quinn. You were bitching about Tracy's mother's singlet. Because yeah. he has a singlet instead of the normal trunks. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Like, I just don't like it. <laughs> so anyway, Gordon throws the commercial. But he promises that if the match ends while they're at commercial, they're going to let us know. So Could we- you, like, imagine? <laughs> that is so dumb. And they're not the only ones that do the that WCW shit. Like, like, all WCW, the time. but, like... First of all, like, everyone knows this shit's in the can. Like, yeah, yeah. let's be real here. I know. Second of all, just why? Like, <laughs> There's no need for it. It's not. It's just. I stupid. guess to add yeah. realism. Yeah. It's the only thing I can think of I, to add realism. It's to make realism. it feel live. But yeah. wouldn't you just, like, it's fake wrestling. Couldn't they just be like, hey, guys, we're on, like, the ref just did, like, hey, it's on commercial break. Like That's, that's what, what they, they fi- do now. Yeah, that's what they figured they always do on Raw nowadays. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, we clip back to a very close two count on Detroit Demolition. It's the same ref, by the way, as before Fred Fox, whatever his name is. (laughs) Fred Fox? Fred Fox! Oh my god, Fred Fox! So another commercial, we come back to Gordon. I have some notes for you. Sure. So, the Southern Boys are now just next to Gordon Soley in full attire, as if they didn't wrestle. So, this is one of the problems. This whole last part of the show. There's some issues. We haven't seen the finish to the match yet. Here they are next to Gordon. Yeah, it's like they, they put their stand-ins in to go, uh, here, in the can ring? you go wrestle yeah. while we talk about the incident today? Yeah. Danny Davis is with them. That's never good. And Gordon's very thankful to the crew for putting up some yellow curtains <laughs> behind him. thankful Thank about you. this curtain. So Gor- Gordon says it's been a very bizarre episode. Well, yeah. I'll say this, this whole thing is bizarre that's occurring right now <laughs> yeah, with the time travel or stand-ins or something. Danny Davis stumbles all over a promo to talk about all of his 
nine years in this profession. <laughs> he says it like it's a really long yeah, time. It's just not like, impressive, right? It's like, maybe 15. Yeah. Any teen, right? Yeah, he could have at least like buffed it up a little bit. Like just 12? 12, 13, something. Nine. Yeah, like just a little bit, just to make him sound a little more experienced. Right. He's never seen anything like what happened to Dr. Tom, though. And uh, Woody calls Mystic a tramp. Jeez. Yeah, that was pretty bold, Whoa. right? Although she is like deserving oh, of yeah, these yeah, comments yeah. No, because no. she did just trick someone. Very mean. She did lie about getting hit by a man. She did, and then she helped her, yeah. her man attack this other guy right, here exactly. and almost kill him. So, okay, maybe Tramp is warranted. Back to the Southern boys in the ring wrestling. So- Listen, I love this company. I still can't condone this poor continuity. It's terrible. They couldn't just put this at the end. The promo? Yes. <laughs> like, it wouldn't have messed with any of the time because, like, true. literally that occupied that time. <laughs> right. Like, what? Yeah, that's a good and point. Here's the thing. They come back and there's not even that much left of this <laughs> yeah. match. Like, as you're saying this to me, the TV time expires. Right. The TV time. Well, maybe. Okay. Now I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Maybe they thought, like, well, we said this TV time shit in there, right? But if we said the TV time expired, how could they talk after the TV? Did they just, like, fuck up, basically? Good point. Maybe they were, like, trying to repair the poor continuity, like one of those situations. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah, you might be right there. So anyway, back to commercial again. We come back and downtown Bruno is here. That's Harvey Whippleman with right. Lord Humongous, the real one, yeah, Sid. Psycho Sid, Sid Justice, Sid Vicious, whichever Sid you want to subscribe to today. <laughs> and uh, Bruno really doesn't say much that matters. And Quinn, you, you liked Lord Humongous's casual attire. Yes. With- so he's got like swishy shorts on, like yellow swishy shorts and just a hood instead of a mask. Yeah, it's funny. it's like, oh, it's more comfortable, right? Or do you think the mask like uh, Rob Fuller oh, he borrowed it, it from him. And they don't have two of them. <laughs> See, that could be it. Oh, my God. Charlie Platt comes back. You mean Garth? Yeah, Garth. To look confused as uh, Gordon's like, all right, folks, hopefully we'll see you again yeah, next what week. He, what does he think? Like, they're going to get canceled <laughs> because this was too bad or too something? Even though, it's in, even though it's in a can. Like, it's been... <laughs> like, the company had to know that they were airing it. Yeah, of like, course. Over the closing credits, we see the whole dastardly yeah, lynching. Yeah, in slow motion, yes. by the way. And you were saying, hopefully at the end, they just say, this was fake. Yeah, just in the, in the credits, like, <laughs> hidden Easter egg, you know? Well, there you have it. That was a breath of fresh air. Thank you, Gino Cuddy, for the suggestion there. Yeah, I do want to say this. It wasn't all wine and roses. That last no, part no, no, was, no. like, it dragged. Yeah. it dragged at the end with that, it, with it, that match. It felt like, like they had a really good angle, and they should have just put it at the end. That's the only thing I would say. Like, just, yeah. like it should have gone off the air with that. I know the follow-up stuff to this is really good. Tom Pritchard was just a freaking all-star during this period right. of time, and so was Tony Anthony. Why did like Vince McMahon not pick him up till he was like done? I don't know. Like, what was that about? I don't know. What was he, he doing? Oh, he went to Global, didn't he? Was he also in WCW at some point? I feel like I've seen so. his fluffy hair over there on some dumb paper. WCW? I don't yeah. know. And then he went to Smoky Mountain, and WWE picked him up in '93 with Jimmy Del Rey, but they kind of like they were you said, they neutered them. Yeah, they were terrible. They were they weren't interesting at all, and they yeah. were jobbers. And then he was Zip, mm-hmm. and then he was a trainer forever. Uh, but overall, man, this was a breath of fresh air. Yep, because we've reviewed. I mean, man, last week with AWA, that was 
bad, but it was fun. Yeah, that it was wasn't fun, good. Bad. And then freaking uh, the Australian high, thing, high, high risk. risk championship. Good lord, we we've done a bunch of crap this season. Uh, WWF in Puerto Rico. Yeah, all that shit we've done. Nice to do something that was captivating, fresh, concise, quick storytelling. Yeah, it felt it was a breeze to watch. Really, it really was. I was very happy watching it, and I will always be happy. I think watching Continental. I yeah. welcome more suggestions on that. A couple of more notes here because I haven't mentioned this in a long time. If you have any suggestions for us for anything, go to our website, ovppodcast.com. There's a tab called Suggestions. You can go there and just leave anything on there. We can't promise you we'll get to it, but we will try. Yep. Uh, and also, if you have Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, and you like our show, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. But in the meantime, Quinn, next week we will be back December 10th for episode number 109. Royal Rankings Week 9 as we keep narrowing it down. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. And if you have Facebook and you haven't joined yet, join the group. It'll be a really good time. And I'll tell you what, go to patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. Check out our tiers. See if one is right for you. We would appreciate that. But until next week, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And we are saying goodbye. See ya. I'd like to talk to Tom Pritchard if you could get him out here. And I'd like to talk to Tom, please. I'd just like to talk to Tom, please, if you could get him out here. I just want to talk to Tom, please. Here, I just want to talk to him. I, I just want to talk to Tom. I'd just like to talk to Tom. I, I, just please get him out here. Will you stop, 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 stop.